Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at That Hockey Show. Welcome to THS, everybody. Thursday, March 11th, week 8. Recap and review of the stories, headlines, and everything that's out of line in the NHL in this 2021 campaign. 31 teams going for the silver. Uh, Not everybody's going to make it, and as we get to the 25-26 game mark of this season, some teams are uh, fading away. Uh, Just about a month out from the trading deadline, too, so lots of stuff going on, lots of news, some good stuff going on, as always, so uh, welcome aboard. As always, Joe coming up in a little bit. We'll kick things off in the face-off circle. We'll talk some Sabres in the uh, Eastern Division, then we'll head up north to the Canadian Division, and we'll talk some Habs. And all those great Canadian hockey teams up there with Costa Papoulias. Tab's going to join us from Chicago, as he always does. We'll talk about the Hawks and the Central. And then Steve will round out the show, as always, as we go out west to L.A., talk some Western Division hockey, and also touch on the New Jersey Devils that we always do with Steve. So here we are again, uh, 10 games on the schedule tonight. Always pretty heavy, pretty much mostly every night, but the uh, Tuesdays and Thursday nights are usually uh, very heavy. We'll get into uh, looking at what's coming ahead this evening. Uh, five games last night, uh, the Wild and the Knights played a, uh, just a fantastic, great game. Two, two, two of the best teams in the league, and the Wild obviously uh, you know, on fire of late, uh, 4-3 uh, with that win there. The Oilers put a, a, just a thrashing on the Senators last night, 7-1. Uh, five-point game again for Drysaddle. He's just uh, on fire. McDavid and the Oilers now are uh, knocking on the Leafs' door up there in Canada. Um, Avs 2, Yotes 1, Kings 5, and the Ducks 1. Ducks still tr- struggling, um, just trying to find their way down there. I mean, even the Kings 2. The bottom part there of the Western Division is just in bad shape. <laughs> Throw San Jose Sharks in there as well. Uh, the Habs, five against the Canucks, one. Habs always beat the Canucks, you know. I mean, uh, if they can play the Canucks the rest of the way, they'll be okay. And we'll talk to Costa and see how uh, Coach Duchamp has been uh, you know, doing with these guys in the seven games that he's played with uh, since, uh, you know, last we spoke there. So a lot going on in Montreal, uh, and they're back at it uh, tonight with against the Flames with a brand-new coach, not a new coach in the league, but a brand-new coach for the Flames, and that's Daryl Sutter. Uh, so that'll be interesting. We'll get into that a little bit as well uh, when we talk to Costa later. rest of the schedule tonight, Rangers are at Boston. The Rangers have lost two in a row to the Pens after uh, playing pretty well there in the six previous two. They went 4-2, and two, and then, uh, like I said, losing to the uh, Pens in two straight, and they've got a tough uh, weekend ahead, a tough schedule. Uh, Philly and, and Washington coming up right after Boston, too. So uh, they are in. In, uh, they've got to step up here if they're going to stay in the mix here. Pittsburgh at Buffalo tonight. Again, uh, Buffalo just, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I feel sad we got to talk to Joe about the Sabres, but we will. So Pitt at Buff tonight. Devils and the Islanders going out of the Islanders are obviously one of the hottest teams in the league, if not uh, seven straight wins going for uh, t- their 10th straight point. Uh, they got a 
like nine game point streak here going. So uh, uh, Trotz and the uh, the guys in the island are doing quite all right, and they should probably handle the Devils no problem uh, this evening. Caps and Flyers, that's a great game. Two teams there at the bottom of the uh, and not the bottom, but the mix there, obviously in the Eastern Division. Uh, Preds and the Canes going at it. Canes looking good this year, obviously, and the Preds struggling. Uh, see if the Preds can give the Canes a run for it tonight. Uh, the Cats are playing uh, Columbus. The Jets at the Leafs, that's a good game tonight, too. Uh, the Jets trying to um, you know, show their power here a little bit and see if they can't chip up a little further against Edmonton and the Leafs. Good game there on tap. Bolts at the Wings. Bolts uh, played really well against the Hawks there in those three games, going 2-1. and one. Uh, So they should be able to roll on here against the Wings this evening. Hawks, uh, you know, struggled in that series against the Bolts, and they lost to uh, the Stars on Tuesday, and they got the Stars uh, tonight. So uh, we'll see. Uh, We'll talk about the Hawks and see what's going on there in these last few games uh, with Tab in a little bit. And, again, I mentioned before, Habs and Flames uh, later on. Uh, Let's just run through the top 16. If the playoffs were to start uh, today or tomorrow, uh, Bolts at the top, 18-4-1, with the Leafs at 38 points. Leafs are at 18-7-2. Canes, 18-6-1. Florida Panthers, 16-5-4. Isles are 16-6-4. Caps are 15-16-4. Sorry. Oilers, 17-11-0. The Knights there at 16-6-1. Winnipeg, 16-8-1. St. Louis 14, 8, and 4. Um, and then you got the Habs in there, 12, 6, and 7. And I'm missing somebody in there. Hold on a second. Uh, Minnesota, sorry. That was my bad. Minnesota there, 15, 8, and 1 right there in the 11th spot. Uh, Pittsburgh, 15, 9, and 1. Chicago, 13, 9, and 5. Boston, 13, 6, and 4. And the Avs rounding out the top 16 at 14, 8, and 4. Okay, um, who's hot and who's not? McDavid still leading the league in points, 48 points. Uh, Matthews with 20 goals, still leading. McDavid, 32 assists. Pavelski still hanging on to that power play goal lead at 10. Uh, Vasilevsky in there in uh, Tampa Bay with 16 wins. And Marc-Andre Fleury now has uh, the lead in shutouts with four. Mark playing pretty well, as always, there in Vegas. Um, so, look, quick real news, and we'll, we'll go around this with the guys here today, but uh, obviously NHL and ESPN making a huge big TV deal. That's just great for the for the league and the sport and for the fans and for all of us old guys who uh, remember the ESPN days. We're, we're really excited about uh, that coming back. We'll get into that, uh, you know, in bits and pieces here during the course of the show. Uh, Kaner there with 1,000 games in the loss of the Stars on Tuesday. Congratulations to him. Uh, Brent Seabrook retired. It was funny last week, me and uh, Tab were talking Talking about Brent Wimsey coming back, and sure enough, it was that night or the next day, uh, Seabrook retired. Um, uh, talking about Sutter here now, Flames fired uh, Jeff Ward there, obviously, and, and Daryl Sutter gets his debut tonight uh, at home against the Habs. So uh, I think it's great that Sutter's back in the game here, and we'll have some fun with that with uh, Steve, obviously, knowing him, coaching the Kings and, and Tab as well. Uh, up there in Canada, and uh, you know, uh, just him getting that, getting behind the bench here, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Ovi is now three goals away from tying Phil Esposito, uh, I believe, seven hundred and seventeen goals. So watch Ovi here in these next uh, few games. Uh, knowing him, who probably maybe do it tonight, who knows? But um, uh, that's a pretty great uh, milestone for uh, Ovi there. Uh, and again, talking about um, the Islanders there, looking for their seventh straight win tonight and keeping that point scoring streak going. And good news for the Rangers, too, is Panarin was back on the ice yesterday in practice. And uh, he's not going to play tonight, but the word is is that he might be back here on Saturday. So that'll uh, help the Rangers. The Rangers are trying to obviously get 
you know, they haven't been able to see their full starter lineup together, uh, you know, for the team. So, um, you know, that'd be something hopefully here in the next week or two we can get everybody healthy here for, for the Rangers in terms of goaltending, defense, and up front uh, in the forward position and see what David Quinn can do. Uh, like I said, with a very, very tough schedule coming up for the New York Rangers, a couple against Boston, a couple against Philly, and then a couple against the Caps. And uh, they, they, they had the wind blown out of their sails there with the two losses to Pittsburgh. So there's basically your, your, your quick rundown that I always do here uh, to open up the show. And, again, uh, thanks to everybody who's been uh, tuning in, downloads and sharing and stuff. We see it. It's great. Um, you guys have put us in the charts, and uh, we want to thank you guys so much uh, for doing that here, uh, this brand-new version of THS. And, you know, as the season goes on, you know, we're just going to keep doing this, and, and we're all looking forward to eventually down the road maybe turning this into a video show as well, too, and and uh, with capacity uh, being opening up at the rinks and two and sports bars and all that stuff. Uh, you know, we'd hopefully like to do that down the road, too, and, and do some uh, live on-location shows. So that's the long-term game plan. Uh, for that hockey show, and uh, and we just want to say thank you to everybody who's been, uh, you know, tuning in and uh, enjoying the show. We really appreciate it so much. But that's enough of me. It's time now to bring in our face-off man, Mr. Joe Yard. Let's head on up to the great city of Buffalo in the great state of New York. Joe, happy Thursday, buddy. What's going on? Oh. Paulie, we're loving life in Buffalo. At least <laughs> anything not related to the hockey team, we're loving life up here. Oh, man, it's like looking down at it. anything Sabres. It's like, you know, when you're driving past a car crash and you go, oh, oh, it's bad. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> you got to look, but then you don't want to look. It's it's that way. Oh, man. Well, how you doing, brother? How's, how you feeling, man? How's everything? All right. Doing good. Doing good. I got my I got my second uh, vaccination yesterday. So we're on the road. We're on nice. the good road. So that's uh, waiting, waiting for the uh, the usual symptoms to kick in today. So um so yeah so maybe maybe the maybe the sabers won't be the thing that has me feeling mostly like crap later tonight we'll see (laughs) yes the whole country is rolling along and putting this stuff into their veins it's good and hopefully getting us back to normal as possible hey what's going on up in buffalo with um i mean obviously down here i can't remember if we talked about it last week but um you know rangers and isles and devils fans in the stands have the, the sabers done that already uh march 20th will be the first game with fans i think it's uh i think it's like a saturday afternoon game with boston why was this pushback further than what's going on down here uh i i don't know for sure uh i i know like going back a year ago erie county was always like a hot spot just too painful Uh, to uh, see what's going on the ice yeah people a little more time (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure that's part of it too they're like listen we're trying to recover here guys can you just (laughs) Give us a couple of days. Um, but I, I, I think, um, I mean, they got, what, three? They got three straight home games coming up here starting tonight, Thursday. Uh, it's, I think it's, what, tonight? I, I know they got a game Monday against the Capitals, and I'm not sure after that. It, I, I think they wanted to not rush everybody into the arena like this weekend and then, you know, go on the road for like a game or two and then come back. So they figured, like, let's wait. Let's, you know, let's let's kind of get some stuff out of the way first, get our logistics right um, and then get it figured out because they're I mean, they're going pretty hard for what people got to do to get in yeah. um, and including <laughs> including the ticket prices being elevated over what the normal oh. season ticket prices are like because it's, it's open to there. season ticket holders first. So. It should be free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying two and, for once. 
and people and people got to pay. I, I, people have to get like the PCR test to get in. So that's like sixty bucks too. So even if you bought the cheap fifty-five, you know, or uh, the cheap, you know, fifty-five dollar ticket, it's cost you a hundred bucks to get in the door. Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, Maybe- I, I want to know. I want to know. I want to meet the people that are paying a hundred bucks just to get in. To get into the building to see to see if they're going in to just sit there with like arms crossed and and Ugh. just be mad the whole time, or are they going to scream their head off and maybe get thrown out? Unbelievable, unbelievable! Yeah, it's, it's, it, crazy. it's just it's, uh, yeah, it, it is crazy, man, and it's it's just got to be so much so much tougher too with the way the team has been playing. So, um, you know, before we get into the Sabers, I I always you know when we joked about it last week, we might have you start covering the Caps every week or something. Or, <laughs> Or the Flyers or something. Maybe maybe another week or two for Buffalo, and if it's done, it's done, uh, which it probably already is. But all right, let's just um, let's real quick. Um, let's talk about some of the the two. There was a lot of news last week, but two things I want to touch with you on. Um, obviously the passing of uh, Walter Gretzky, uh, Wayne's dad. Uh, just a quick uh, note on him, real quick. I um, I, I you know I've never gotten to meet Wayne before, and I certainly never got to meet Walter before. Um, but. Everything I've ever read or people have told me about Walter is that he's just like the all time just king of people. Never mind, you know, never mind being like the, you know, the father of like, you know, hockey's greatest player or any of that stuff. Uh, But just as a as a human being, he was just always touched everybody the right way. And just everybody was just remarked at how much that, you know, he loved hockey, but he but he loved people uh, even more. And uh, to me that speaks so much more of, of people when they're, when they're bigger than what, what they're supposed to be, you know, like what, what they're pigeonholed to be, I guess, you know, like yeah. he could have just been like, Oh, the father of Wayne Gretzky. And like, yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, but he did more than that. And that's, that to me tells you what kind of person he is. When, and when you can't find a single person to say a bad thing about him, uh, that tells me so much and I, it makes me think and this is going to be a weird reference but it makes me think of uh director kevin smith you know from okay. clerks and all rats and, and yeah. whatnot great flicks. Uh, oh yeah and uh, years and years ago i got to see him do a do a stage show uh in new jersey of all places uh not not in like his hometown in new jersey but like close and he was in his heavy phase where like he was what where he was wearing like oilers jerseys for everything like he, yeah i remember you know, he, that show up to like premieres and he's got an Oilers jersey he's got or he's got like his you know his smodcast Oilers jersey like whatever it was and I I I teased the idea of wearing my Gretzky jersey to go down there for for it because I was like well what the heck why not (laughs) and dummy me probably could have got to be Kevin Smith if I had gone up to ask a question at the Q&A wearing the Gretzky jersey you know here I am up in like the you know the second tier the second Uh mezzanine and um and it turns out you know I've read a lot of what Kevin has to say about him and um, everything he said just matches up with what literally everybody else says about him. Just, you know, what a genuine person he was and, you know, just that, like kind of an, an accidental ambassador for, for the game of hockey and, and just for people in general. And that's, that to me just says, you know, what a loss that is. And, um, you know, just a, just a great person. And that's, that to me is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, just a great relationship. Uh, Wayne's career does not you know, all of us in the game watching him and everything else. But, uh, you know, he goes hand in hand with his dad. And, and you know, like I said, just the way he was uh, respected. I mean, there's all great dads, obviously, in the game. And they've all done equal yes. amounts of stuff and everything. But, um, you know, just a huge thing up in Canada and stuff. Uh, and it's sad to see him go. But, um, like I said, great memories and uh, did a wonderful job with his kids, no doubt about it. And uh, the other thing real quick before we get into the Sabres here, Joe, is the ESPN deal. 
and old guys like me and you, we got to love this, baby. <laughs> but uh, talk real quick on the thoughts of um, the NHL hooking back up with ESPN. You know what? I'm glad that old bygones can be bygones in this case, because I remember going back to that 0405 lockout when ESPN basically said, listen, NHL, you're screwed. Uh, we'll show your games, but we're not giving you any money for it. <laughs> and and the NHL was like, that's not going to work for us, guys. We got we got to go get paid. And they're like, yeah, we understand. But also, you know, your game's kind of in the pits right now. So we'll wow. you know, maybe we'll reconvene at another time. And another time came now. And wow, what a deal. I mean, it's seven years, but it's 400 million a year, which is wild. I mean, that's I mean, that's twice as much as what NBC paid for the last franchise year. every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> put a team in Bristol. Let's go, there you go. Let's back the whale, baby. Let's <laughs> let's do it. But I mean, 400 million for every team. I mean, that's I mean, that's great for the owners, obviously. <laughs> but you know what? It's even better for the league to get the high profile status. And, you know, I, it makes me think of. You know, when NBC announced they were shutting down NBC Sports Network. Yeah. And I was just like, you're telling me you're going to have playoff games on USA and like CNBC and Bravo again? Like, they're, you know, they're going to shuffle everything off to USA. And people are like, well, more people have USA than NBA, NBC Sports Network. And I was like, that ain't the point, man. That is not the point. Like, Ladies and gentlemen, once again, that was Joe's USA Today TV fans, <laughs> USA Network fans. But I mean, you get on ESPN like – they drive promotion like they yeah. go to the mat to promote anything that they're carrying. And I mean, you, I mean, personally, I don't I don't care for that. I think if you're going to be the worldwide sports leader, you got to you got to talk about everything. But I get it. You got to line your own pockets. You got to take care of your own interests. And getting on ESPN takes care of that a million times over because people know where to find ESPN on the cable dial. They know, you know, and the, the streaming deal that goes into this, you know, they're going to they're going to shutter NHL TV for ESPN plus. Perfect. ESPN Plus is, is an outstanding product, which teams them up with Hulu, which gets you know, which gets you on even more streaming stuff. And this is the future. You're you're gonna cut the cord. Well, that's fine, but you can still get your ESPN. You still get your Hulu. You gotta watch TV. You gotta watch your stuff. So you're gonna get way more eyeballs than I know. It, that stinks for ratings people because they love to know who's watching what. But but man, oh man, this is a this is an outstanding deal. This really takes care of a lot of business. And you know what? You get on ABC, you get on ESPN, ABC, ESPN for the Stanley Cup Finals for those seven years. Perfect, great. You know, just drive that promotion wheel. Take some of the stress off your own league to promote your league. When ESPN yeah. will just go to the mats and do it for you. Yeah, no, I think it's huge. I think a lot of fans have to realize that outside of maybe losing some local broadcasts of certain games throughout the year, that this is just great for the game it's for the health of the game for the financial aspect of it they get through this look they this was a gimme season to the fans like they're not making any money this year you know yeah so well we get back to normal next year and i i fully believe joe that uh when you get to seven years down the road here the way the game is growing and it's going to grow even more now with espn I, i'm sure they'll extend this going mm-hmm. forward and you nailed it too man you got to get over uh, all the other stuff this is modern times it's apps it's iphones it's uh, people, you know, watching and traveling on everything is on the go. Yeah. So to have to be able to pay an extra whatever the heck it is you want to pay sixty bucks a year for the ESPN Plus, and the fact that you know now you can you can watch everything in the highlights. And I think once again the biggest thing, Joe, is just promoting the athletes. They used to have great commercials, uh, just mm-hmm. great production, and uh, you know, great memories of watching ESPN too when I lived down well, in Colorado and stuff. And they were great. 
And I'll tell you what the uh, the the thing that's gonna that's gonna be I think the most important. And NBC didn't do a great job of this in previous seasons. They you know they got smarter about it, but probably you know too little, too late. Um, not giving a crap about a team whether the team plays in Canada or the United States, yeah. uh, because they because they NBC was strongly motivated by pulling in the TV ratings, which is how you know. I remember, I think at the 13, 14 season, Buffalo was on NBC Sports Network 11 <laughs> times. They were awful. <laughs> I was seeing, God love them. I, I was seeing Dave Strader every other week in Buffalo. I was like, when do you move in? Because <laughs> he was doing games here so often. But, um, but, but ESPN's going to want to show McDavid. They're going to want to show Matthews. They're going to want to show all these guys, the, the actual stars of the game, instead of being like, hey, here's Penguins Capitals for the 19th time. Yeah. And we know you guys love it, you know, or. You know, the Blackhawks and whoever in the death knell of, you know, of their dynasty, like, cool, great. We get to watch these guys again. No, actually show us the good players. Now, I mean, with the help of Edmonton, you know, it was actually a better team. And, you know, if Toronto can find some goaltending and win a playoff series, that would help. But you know what? Market the stars. Market the stars and, you know, make things go. Like, you got star players everywhere. Just do it. Just push them. Just I know the NHL hates pushing star players. They want to push teams, but you got stars, man. Yep. Promote them. Yeah. No, it's exciting, man. It's it's great to see what uh, what's going to happen here and, and, and how it all works out. And, and Gary Bettman is just ecstatic, man. He couldn't get the smile off his face yesterday. So, uh, Cha-ching, sure. baby. <laughs> exactly. All right, Joe, <laughs> let's do a quick hit here on the Sabres. Uh, I, not too much has changed, unfortunately, since last week. 24 games <laughs> no. played, 6-14-4. Last in the division. Last in the league. Eight losses in a row. Pittsburgh tonight and Saturday this weekend. Uh, found out yesterday after the game and uh, Tuesday against the Flyers, Eichel's going to be out a week. Upper body injury here. Um, didn't play, obviously, in the uh, 5-4 shootout loss to the Flyers. Skinner scored. Yay! Versus the Islanders. Sunday. That's good. Um, and that's basically it, man. What else yeah. you got? <laughs> uh, can we Can we take a pause for a minute here and see that they're 14 points back of fourth place? They're, we're not even at the midpoint of the season yet. They've played. They've played twenty four games. It's a fi- yeah. well, fifty six game season. Yeah, is it? Or I think it's fifty six. They're not even at like they're four games away from the midpoint. Yeah. They're fourteen out. Yeah, like they're, they're thirteen back of fifth. Like what? Like, and Ralph isn't going anywhere. Yeah, Ralph is. Ralph is. Ralph's there. And you know, and I guess until at least I guess the fans get in the arena and start you know throwing garbage at him or something. I don't know, but. Um, but this is, it's bad, man. Like this is, this is really bad. And you know what? I'll give them, I'm, I don't want to give them too much credit, but the game against Philly, they stopped taking point shots every, every time they're in the zone, they started driving the net and started doing things that way. And it was just like, Holy crap. You score goals. What? <laughs> Holy wow. You're not shooting from 70 feet out and you decided to shoot from 20 feet out and it worked out better. Well, that's crazy. What have I been saying for three weeks? Now? <laughs> you know, like what have I been saying since the beginning? Like, just do it. Make it smarter. Do not dumb things. And yeah. you know, it's it's. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, we'll see what happens with Eichel. I mean, the fact that he had to go get a second opinion on whatever the ailment is. I, we don't know if it's his neck because it seemed like he hurt his neck against uh, the Islanders. Um, we don't know, you know, we don't know what's going on there. Um, we don't know if it's his knee again. We don't know if it's his ankle again. We, we don't know. But the fact he had to go get, he had to go out of state, out of state to go get a, to a second opinion. And he's got a quarantine now because of it. Uh, not great, but I guess, you know, if you, if they're going to keep him off the ice for a week anyways, and whatever, it doesn't matter. But I mean, 
But if he's got, but if he's done for long term, I mean, it's bad enough. Linus Allmark's still three weeks away, yeah. you know, as far as trustworthy goalies. And if you're without Eichel for a long term, put a bullet in it, man. <laughs> Just it's done. There, there's there's seven seven normal regulation wins out of fourth fourth place. Yeah, seven. They have six wins. <laughs> How are they going to get seven more in a row? Like what? Like what are you going to do? You, you It's it's ridiculous. And they're what thirtieth, thirty first in the league. Terrible, just terrible. Yeah, I think that white flag could be hoisted up uh, over the arena. There's no <laughs> doubt about it, man. Uh, and I guess you know. Look, you're getting here the, the the point here in this division here too. I mean, you know the Rangers themselves too are they're 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 only above the Devils and the Sabers. You know, there's there's a there's a crucial crossroads coming up here in the next two weeks mm-hmm. here that you're pretty much going to be done. I mean, talking about the Sabers right now, I mean, I can only imagine what they what can they do now as a franchise. You know, do you just keep Eichel safe and Omar and keep them off the ice maybe and just, you know what, take the rest of the season off and we'll bring you back for training camp just to kind of save, you know, to save them or, or, or whatever. I just It's got to be so perplexing right now because, unfortunately, having these kind of struggles in such a short season is just almost basically catastrophic at this point. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you're only playing teams in your own division, I mean, you can't, you yeah. can't even go to overtime in these games. You know, some of these teams are just like, oh, we'll go to overtime. Well, Congrats. You just gave a point to your opponent, the direct team you're competing with to try to get in the playoffs. Like you can't be doing that stuff. And and yeah, I mean, for Buffalo, I mean, geez, there's so much more season to go. And I mean, if you're an eternal optimist, you can say, like, well, I still got a chance to turn it around. No, they don't. They no, no they don't. They got to win. They have to have they have to have a 15 game win streak to get to to be able to turn this around. That's I mean, that's the point we're at. But um, but I mean, I mean, who knows? I mean, is Ralph going to be there to the end of the year? I mean. I don't know. I got to. I got to think that once you get fans in the building screaming their head off, if anybody goes, that is, um, that's a. I mean, owners are going to hear it flat out. And you know what? If nobody goes, the owners are definitely going to hear that because if they're not, they're not getting any money when they thought they were going to get money. Yeah. I mean, that's that would be telling enough on its own. So I, I mean. And Joe, no, um, we it's talked wild. about this last week too about the the other guys here. Um, you know, with Eichel out now too. I mean, do you even see Skinner? Poso Hall taking the mantle. I mean, are any of these guys going to step up, or it's just well, you don't feel that? I mean, it it was encouraging to see Dylan Cousins get get a shot at one C and play with Hall and Reinhardt. I mean, Reinhardt's okay. Reinhardt's a boss this year, man. He's yeah, he's a, if this was an eighty two game season, he'd be on a pace for 40, 40 goals. So yeah. like that's that's incredible. Ooh, we that's found great some to see. bright spots, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, Hall? You know Hall's. I mean, you know, for all the complaints about no goals and whatever, Hall's been fine. But I mean, you know, fine seems to be the peak level for this team. But I mean, Reinhardt's been fantastic, and I'd be more worried about the regression of the entire defense, uh, and you know, playing with your number two and number three goaltenders. Really, that's that's where you're at. But um, but I mean, hey, if Cousins can slide in there and get you know and kind of solidify that line with Jack out, that's that's freaking great. Because once you get Jack back, hey, you got two centers. That's 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 what they've been looking for for like seven years here. They have two top center. Well, I should clarify since they traded Ryan O'Reilly, they've been looking for two top centers <laughs> to run the show. Still <laughs> One good thing leads into three bad things. I know. See how this goes, Paulie? <laughs> you know how many Sabres fans are going to listen to this? He's like, oh, God damn it, Joe. <laughs> Killing me, man. Absolutely killing me. Oh, man. Uh, and as we go out here, Joe, real quick, um, Isles obviously playing really good. 
Ovi about uh, he's got three goals away from seven seventeen here, obviously in the division, and uh, you know as far as the way they're playing and stuff. But um, this top four, these top five, that's basically going to be it. I don't see the Rangers making any trouble here in the next couple of weeks with their schedule coming up. But uh, I guess basically that fourth and fifth spot is going to be the uh, the fun thing to watch uh, with what's going on yeah. there. Just a quick take on on those top four there. Maybe the Isles. We, I mean, I, we were kissing the Isles ass last, last week. They got enough of it. You know. I, they got they got three freebies against the Sabers, you know. Of course, I I would hope they took off to the top of the the top yes. of the division. But you're right though, Philly, Boston, Pittsburgh. Right now, I mean, I'm, hey, good good on Pittsburgh for kind of climbing in climbing out of it there. But I mean, uh, yeah, but that that three for like three teams for once, you know, for for three, four, and five, that's fun. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, you're down on the Rangers. I get it, but Panarin's coming back, man. Uh, I. Kind of want to see how that goes when when he gets back in the lineup. I think. No, I I don't know if that's a season saver, but makes things a lot more interesting. That's for sure. I mean, leave the Devils and the Sabers down in the ditch, and you know if the Rangers can get a little bit of momentum there, I don't know. Like the Pittsburgh, Boston, Philly are going to be trying to beat each other's heads in with Washington and the Islanders right there to to help along. Rangers can steal some wins and kind of climb their way into it a little bit maybe i don't know we'll we'll see where panarin's head at is when it's when he gets baby, back buddy next next six yeah, it's, it's the Rangers. that white it's... flag might be going over the garden too buddy <laughs> 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 we'll see joe you're the best man glad you're feeling good uh always love doing this with you every week man i really appreciate it have a super weekend and enjoy yourself and we'll be back here uh and we'll have some saint patrick's day stories to talk about next week right hi <laughs> laddie let's get on it <laughs> All right, Joe, thanks so much as always. Take care, bud. Hey, you got it, Paulie. Thanks, man. Joe Yard, ladies and gentlemen, as always, giving us a hit on those Buffalo Sabres and the Eastern Division. All right. And as always, THS rolls up. All right, it's time to head on up to the Great White North and hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Costa Papoulias up in Montreal. We'll talk some halves. And the Canadian vision, that's what we call it down here on THS. Costa, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, it's going good, Paulie. How about you, man? I'm all right, man. We're, uh, you know, in and out of the warm weather here down in, on Long Island, you know? Same here, believe it or not. It's nice, right? <laughs> yeah, it's dog poop season. <laughs> I figured, uh, what is it? It's, it's dog poop season. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't need any more illnesses stuff. going around the world, Costa. Come on. No, I hear you, man. I hear you. But, you know, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> Might be able to get a little... Uh... I, thought, I thought it was just a Canadian thing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we got the uh, that hockey show deck hockey team together, man. We'll uh, yeah. start oh, rolling around. We rolling gotta do... Oh, absolutely. We got to do that sometime. Now, I'll what position would you play, Costa? You, you, I'd be... You're going... What are you going to next for what? I'd be in nets. I'm too lazy to run. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Some nice light Milek plastic pads. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't wear that garbage. Are you kidding? No, 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 no. no. I'd go old school, man. I'd be wearing my brother's uh, Vons. And I wouldn't be wearing that there stuff. There you go. A little Molson in the water jar, you know? <laughs> no, more than just a little. <laughs> <laughs> go get him, Paulie. <laughs> That's it. Uh, too much. All right, bud. So uh, we're rolling along here. Um, you know, we're definitely going to get into um, the halves and uh, 
how they're playing under the, the new coach here. The new, the, I guess the two new coaches to show them, obviously, in Burke. But uh, I want to uh, start something uh, with you real quick uh, uh, as far as, you know, the news of um, Wayne Gretzky's dad, Walter, passing away last week. Mm-hmm. And obviously big news up in Canada and, and what he's meant up to the sport up there. Uh, to you guys up in Canada, obviously, you're so well-respected down here in the States and, and around the world. But I'll just toss it back to you, maybe just give a, a couple of notes on, on your thoughts on uh, his passing. Look, there's there's nothing that hasn't already been said about Walter Gretzky that I'm going to repeat. I mean, Walter was, you know, I, I had the privilege of meeting him once in Toronto, and, and you know, he, he's just a gentleman. You know, he took the, he's always took the time to stop for anybody that's to say hello, take a picture, you know, sign an autograph, whatever the case may be. And, uh, you know... A lot of times you think about pro athletes and, you know, their parents, you know, and sometimes they're not as outgoing as some people would like. But Walter wasn't like that at all. Walter was, like they say, Canada's dad, hockey dad. You know, he'd say hi, you know, he'd sit down, you know, if your kid was playing, he'd sit down. If he was at a rink, watch the game with you, whatever the case was. I, you know, he was the prototype. He was the first. I don't think before Walter there was any type of hockey dad out there or a definition of one until he came around. So... Yeah, the world's going to miss that man because he, he was special all the way around, not just because his son was the greatest player to ever play the game, but because he was the greatest dad whose son played the game. I think that's the best way to put it. Ah, well said, man. No doubt about it. Uh, good stuff there. Appreciate it. So um, let's see. Let's see. Should we start with the Habs here? Or we start with this Northern Division. I tell you what, let's let's go right into the Habs here um, in terms of how they're playing. Um after 25 games played here in terms of us, me and you talk, I do this every week, 12, six and seven, a little recap, fourth in the division, uh, 12th in the league here, uh, beat the Canucks as you guys always do last night, which is great. Yeah. And then tonight, not, not, not always, no, no, lost <laughs> the other day. Don't say know, always, but, but mostly that gets you guys back, uh, going in the, in the right direction, obviously. Um, it's always the Canucks and tonight you got a fun one against the flames. And that's another thing I want to talk to you about too. Daryl Sutter getting back behind the bench, his debut tonight against you guys, uh, three mm-hmm. and four in the seven games under the new coach, uh, two OT losses in there too, and a shootout loss as well. And um, like I said, you talked about the uh, the loss uh, on Tuesday to the Canucks. But let's uh, just get a general overview. How do you think these guys have been playing under the new system? No, other than that one blip against the Canucks, I I, I don't mind the way the, the team's playing. I mean, I've already seen a change in the way Carey Price is playing. And, and we talked about this before where I was saying, you know, when he was more of a hybrid goalie, he was better. Yeah. And if you watch him of late, he's standing on his feet a little bit more. He's tracking a puck more. And – the one thing that the team's doing, they're mitigating that cross-ice pass that seems to fatigue him over over time. So, you know, a fresher carry price means a more a more focused carry price. It means he's going to stop more pucks, and that's what's happening right now. You know, he's allowed, what, I think it's four goals over the last four games or something to that effect. So, you know, he's trending in the right direction, and that's what Habs fans want to see. The funniest part about this team, though, is, like, you know, travel doesn't doesn't work with them because, you know, they leave much, you know, Winnipeg, they go out west to Vancouver, they can't win. You know, and and not because of the lack of effort. I mean, Carey Price was great against against the Vancouver in that first game, but you know, you look at the three on three overtime, you start to think, why is it so tentative? You know, they weren't attacking the puck, they weren't doing that. It was as if they were just ragging it, trying to get to the shootout, and then they get to the shootout, and lo and behold, they can't score goals. I like depending on it, and I'm sorry, I don't care what people tell me about how good Thomas Tatar is. You're in a shootout unless you know how to 100% that you can score or that your teammate has already scored. Don't try that move. <laughs> you know, it, it, you, what, what are you doing? You know, it's like, I, I'm sorry. You know, I, I put the puck in the net. And, and, you know, just to take an example of that, the ice was so bad in Vancouver that the Canucks knew they had to shoot instead of deke. 
And what did Montreal do? They deked on all three of their opportunities. So somebody's got to wake up and, you know, smack somebody outside the back of the head and say, listen, guys, if you're watching them and they're shooting the puck, shoot the damn puck. Don't get fancy. And that's what cost Montreal that game. But other mm-hmm. than that, you look at, you know, the style of play, uh, you know, they put up seven against the Jets in that last game. And you look at the other day, you know, another, what was it, six? You know, it's it, they're trending in the right direction. And you know what? They have to be doing well because freaking even Philip Danone finally scored. <laughs> you boy. <laughs> yeah, finally. It was 5-1. There you go. He scored the fifth goal. Okay, it was meaningless in a 5-1 game, but still he scored. That's what's important. He, he probably got that monkey off his back, but, you know, we'll see whether or not it goes back on there. Now, Costa, you brought up the traveling thing. Is that going both mm-hmm. ways for all the teams up there in the north? You know, because I, I guess a lot of people don't realize that as far as the back and forth to to the west. I mean, most of the teams in the western division here in the states are pretty mm-hmm. much playing on that side of the country. You know what I'm saying? So the travel for oh, them absolutely. is actually shorter. They're not coming out to the Midwest. They're not actually coming out east. But, you know, it's funny. This is the first time I'm thinking it. Here we are, eight week in the league. And I'm like, wow, you're right, man. You you guys are the only division where you're actually going, you know, uh, east to west there. Yeah, that's coast to coast. And, you know, it doesn't matter what, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's in this special season or whether it was, you know, other seasons before that when the teams would take their West Coast swing. That first game after, you know, the jet lag kicks in is always difficult. And, you know, and that's what you saw from Montreal. Granted, OK, they flew up from Winnipeg over to uh, to Vancouver. But that travel's tough. I mean, you're in a cramped tube, you know, you're in an airplane with other people and whatnot. And, you know, you're not you're stretching your legs and you're cramped up. And, you know, you think it doesn't mean anything, but it does. It's difficult, right? No, and, and I I always thought, you know, that, you know, the powers that be would be smart enough to let the teams from the east travel as far west as possible and then either, you know, move north and south in the west or travel back eastward through each individual team. So I thought, you know, oh, yeah, send them to Vancouver, let them play a couple. Then they could stop in Calgary and Edmonton, play a couple there, then maybe a couple in, in, in Winnipeg, and then they'll be back east of where they'll be fine. But no, we have to go from you know Winnipeg out to Vancouver, and then, oh, no, hey, you're going to Calgary. and yeah, Oh, no, you're coming back home. It makes no sense. And, you know, I understand time frames and understand availabilities and stuff like that, I'm trying to fit the schedule in. But, but holy cow, man, have a little bit of brains. Yeah, it's 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 crazy now. The more that I think about it, it is it is kind of nuts, and I, it's got to be affecting all the teams. And you know, now that I look at it now, I think it makes it more impressive about all the teams up there in terms of how the games have been, how the play has been, and 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 that extra challenge now on the organizations um, because some teams probably are handling that better than others, and maybe that's reflective of where they are in the stand in the standings right now. I mean, that's. That's just huge. You guys are the only division in the league right now that are putting on the extra miles. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a huge it's, factor. And you wonder how that might play factor. out when the playoffs come. That, that's going to be interesting to see because, you know, the, first of all, nobody's talked about whether or not there's going to be another playoff bubble. You know, nobody knows whether or not there's going to be a bubble in the States or in Canada. Nobody knows who's going to play who yet because it hasn't been decided. I mean, it's tough. You know, I'd love to see like, you know, I don't care if they do like, you know, they they have two bubbles where they have Western Conference, Eastern Conference and just go. On top of your points there, too, I'm also thinking about who's got any gas left in the Canadian division once the playoffs come. I think that could be huge. But that's exactly it. And that's that's what that's why I, I always thought that, you know, the teams up north would leverage their taxi squads a little bit more. 
you know, in order to be able to give certain guys breaks, like, you know, you, you, you see guys like you know, who are long in the twos, like a Shea Weber or, a, you know, a Sherratt or whatever, and they're playing every game. And I would think, you know what, you know, if you're playing a certain team, like take, for example, you're playing the Ottawa Senators, right? I'm not, this isn't to, to besmirge Ottawa in any way, but Ottawa is one of the weaker teams in, in the Canadian division. If you, if you sit Shea Weber for a game against Ottawa, you can afford to do that. You know, and you can, you know, slot somebody in in this place or try something different to see how that works out. You know, maybe, you know, you get take the opportunity to give Romanov a little bit more ice time on a top pairing with Sherat to see how that works out so that you can gauge where his progress is. Those are all things that are being lost this season, whether, you know, it's a rookie player like uh, Lafreniere there in New York with you guys or whether it's, you know, Romanov here in Montreal. Those are all little bits and pieces that you tend to see over the season that coaches try. But because this season is so short they're not doing it i thought that like opportunities like that where you want to rest a player would be you know beneficial you know give him a break give him a, a game give him two whatever the case may be you know even if you're not trying something new give him a break but no that's not what's happening you know it's 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 weird and 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 you know it's going to hurt these teams long term especially when the development of the younger players i think it's going to be difficult yeah, no, you're right, man, and, and we're getting to a crossroads here, too, in the next two weeks here, 25 to 30 games here, and there's certain teams that are just going to be out of it, and how do those organizations manage their teams the rest of the way in terms of, um, you know, staying competitive and watching injuries and players and working on certain things, and if fan bases can kind of deal with that, because it's really going to happen here in this shortened season. I mean, literally in two weeks, there's going to be a chunk of teams here that are just not going to have a chance because the top four and five teams are are going to start pulling away here. Um, Costa, you talked about, uh, you know, Carey Price here and, and uh, a little bit in terms of um, how he's playing. And, and obviously the guys are showing that they can still throw the puck around and score here a little bit, and uh, that's okay. I want to ask real quick, because I think you brought this up last week too, uh, any changes in the special teams as far as uh, how they've made any adjustments, um, you know, in the last couple of games? I don't know how many opportunities they got, though, but under Deshaun May here too, uh, you seeing anything different in terms of the penalty, penalty kill in the power play? Well, there's there there's zone entries are a little a lot cleaner than they used to be, and that's a big difference from when Claude Julien was running the power play and or Kirk Muller was running the power play. I mean, that's the most the 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 most important point when 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 you're running a power play is being able to get the puck into the zone and have possession while you do it. And the Canadians are starting to change the way they're coming in. You know, they're 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 coming in across the blue line, skating flat, and allowing the players to come in where they can distribute, you know, either strong side, weak side, and actually get possession of the puck and continue moving the puck around. And that's the other key focus is the fact that they're 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 allowing kids like Kak and Yemi um, to control the power play and to quarterback it. And you've seen the results. I mean, Kak and Yemi getting another goal the other night against Vancouver, but. You know, he's starting to feel that confidence that young players normally lack in their second or third year. And, you know, Kakanyemi, you, you saw that slump come up, you know, last season where he had a hard time scoring and he was second-guessing himself and Claude Julien put him in the, in the press box. But, you know, under Ducharme, he's getting a little bit more responsibility and you could see that he's striving with it. And granted, he's played, he was playing last night with Toffoli and, you know, that really says something as far as, you know, the confidence that Ducharme has for him as well, because, you know, that line was dominant last night, whether it was power play or not. So, you know, giving that kid that responsibility on the special teams is key, especially when your team has that variance between older and younger players. So, you know, moving forward, if the Canadians continue doing this, and, you know, I expect them to do it with a kid like Romanov as well, who I, I think plays a very similar game to Andre Markov. And now if Markov can run the power play for Montreal, why can't that kid? 
So there's all these little factors that they're going to put in. And, you know, along with the veteran presence, not only are they going to learn, but they're going to get better at distributing the puck and quarterbacking the power play. And that only means that percentage that Montreal so desperately needed a couple of years ago is going to start trending even higher. You know, the only thing right now is, you know, they're losing faceoffs a little bit too much for my liking in the offensive zone. Absolutely. Mitigate that, that, mitigate that down to about, you know, yeah, even if you're hovering around 55%, that's, that's, you can, you can handle that, you know, get that up to 55% over time. That'll work, you know, get that possession of the power play zone entries are good and the team's going to continue to to succeed. Good stuff there, Casa. And I guess, you know, with, with your thoughts there and now looking back here through seven games, can you just generally say that you kind of like what you're seeing? You, you, I you do. S- okay, good. I, I do. There has to, there, there, yeah, there has to be patience, though. And, you know, the, obviously, you know, most people think, you know, the, the, the coaching change is going to change things up right away and you're going to get that initial boost. Montreal didn't get that initial boost. In fact, they lost their first couple of games with Ducharme behind the bench. So they didn't get that boost. But what they did get is they got Ducharme correcting little things in their game that they were doing wrong. And those corrections are now starting to show. Sure, there's always more to do, but and, and in a season this short with so little practice time, it's going to be difficult for Ducharme to do. But in this short sample size of seven games, he's done quite a bit. We'll see again in the next seven games what he does and how much better this team can get or whether or not they actually drop backwards and digress a little bit. But I think they're trending in the right direction for sure. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, last thing, Cos, before I let you go here, just a quick little a quick little rundown on, on some of the other teams. Obviously, the Leafs are still on top there uh, doing their thing. Drysaddle and McDavid, man, just uh, you know putting the points up there as far as uh, Edmonton's concerned. You guys going back and forth with the Jets here and, and the Canucks, obviously, the last couple of games. Uh, definitely want to talk to, to you about Sutter coming back with Calgary. There probably isn't enough time for this team to, to salvage – a playoff spot, but who knows, right? We, we just talked about a lot of different factors uh, going on up there in the North. And as far as the teams ahead of them, uh, how they're playing, including you guys in Montreal. But um, as far as the, the decision that's made, are you surprised? And, and do you think Sutter's a good fit for them in Calgary going forward? I am a little surprised that it was Sutter, not because I don't like him as a coach, because I think from a respect and disciplinary perspective, they needed that. And that's the, not, not to take anything away from Jeff Ward, because Jeff Ward's a very good coach. But I don't think he was the type of coach that would work with the mix of players that they actually have, right? I think a Daryl Sutter is good for guys like Mark Giordano, who's a must for any type of success in Calgary. If Mark Giordano, he's been struggling all year. And if he can get his game back, Calgary is going to trend in the right direction right away. It's been an issue all year long. That needs to be corrected. Sutter will help with that. The problem is that Sutter is a defense-first type of coach and plays a very tight game. And I don't know how that's going to translate when you look at players like Monaghan and, and, and Johnny Goudreau and, and how that's going to work out from an offensive standpoint. Because if you look at the, you know, the teams that he, he, he coached, whether it was in Calgary where he had Jerome McGinley and, 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 and Conroy or whether it was in L.A. where he had guys like Kopitar, I mean, those guys, when Daryl Sutter got in there, their offense struggled a little bit, not because the players weren't good enough to generate it, but because the way they played mitigated their offensive scoring chances. I hope that just doesn't happen again here in Calgary. Well, we'll see. It starts tonight, buddy. Are you going to be, uh, you're going to be watching the game tonight, pal? I'm going to try to. Uh, we'll you gonna tweet, are you going to tweet Storm? We've got some uh, Costa tweet Storms to look forward to this evening? Oh, well, we can look forward to a few of them, sure. <laughs> well, I'm going to see if my uh, Rangers can... Uh, Put a plug in the Boston Bruins here this evening and keep their season going. But I'll be looking for you tonight on Twitter, brother. You got it, man. I'll be out there. 
All right, Costa, as always, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Stay safe and healthy. Have a great weekend, and uh, you're the best, man. I'll see you next week, okay? You got it, brother. All right, Costa Papoulias, ladies and gentlemen, up there in Montreal talking some Habs for us and some Canadian Division hockey. And it should be a lot of fun up there tonight in Calgary as Dallas Up takes over. All right, THS rolls on. All right, it's time now to head out to the great city of Chicago and talk some Central Division hockey and some Chicago Blackhawks hockey with a good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, welcome back, brother. How are you? Uh, enjoying the beautiful weather and hoping that the hockey can continue to be ahead of the curve on what the forecasters are telling us for outside. <laughs> what, you getting some bad news now? You getting some snow coming back? Well, yeah, they're saying snow maybe next week. Oh, I'm not so, going to cover the cover the river that's there. What, that's why the Blackhawks are in Florida. That's why the Blackhawks are in Florida. <laughs> they, we'll, they... we'll, and and based based on how they played Tuesday, we'll we'll all be digging out together. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Did they drop the green in the uh, in the river yet? No, not yet. They they actually uh, they are not having a St. Patty's Day parade this year in Chicago. But they are talking about getting some of the summer uh, festival calendar back up and running. So but they're hopefully not we'll drop have some the green in the water. I don't know if they're dropping the green, uh, but they're not going to have a parade. So right. it's always it's always a, a really fun, unique time in Chicago when when the Chicago River goes green for St. Patty's Day. But uh, you know, having uh, having a couple you know twenty thousand drunks down there to. You know, maybe throw some yellow in the green. Uh, certainly makes it a makes it a festive atmosphere in Chicago. But yeah, unfortunately, we're not quite there yet. So no St. Patty's Day parade for Chicago this year. Yeah, same thing here. It's funny the uh, the governor uh, they're opening up the capacity in the restaurants here in New York and the island to up to fifty percent, and it looks like they're going to start heading towards seventy five percent there. But it's funny they're waiting until after St. Patrick's Day. Like the nineteenth or twenty, so they were very, very wink, smart. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Exactly. <laughs> so it'll be a a quiet no full capacity bars for for St. Patty's Day. No, no, probably and, uh, a smart call. Yes, yes, because just like Chicago, we rip it up here in New York, big time, no doubt about it. All right, Tab, man, we got a whole bunch to talk about before we get into the Hawks here, as we usually do, um, and a, a couple of funny items, but. Um, as, as far as Seabrook last week, me and you obviously were, were talking. I was asking you when's he coming back, and sure enough, next day he retires. Uh, yeah. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll get to uh, Brent there uh, before we start about talking about the Hawks. But two other stories I want to get your uh, take on. Obviously, uh, a, a sad story there with uh, Walter Gretzky passing away, Wayne's dad. I just want to get a couple of quick thoughts on on that story too, and, and then we definitely have to get your take on the, the new ESPN deal that the uh, NHL has made. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think a lot has been written, especially from the fine folks up in Canada, about the influence that Wayne Gretzky had. It was not exclusive to Canada. I think when you when you talk to people, I've got buddies from high school and college that, you know, put put the rink up in the backyard as soon as it's cold enough to keep it there. And, um, you know, I it, it, you look back at the way that athletes uh, have either embraced or run away from the level of spotlight that reaches their family members, whether it be spouse and kids or uh, parents. And, you know, it's really interesting because 
the the two that I always think back to uh, and had really different approaches to that were uh, contemporaries, Wayne Gretzky and Michael Jordan. And obviously uh, the way that Michael Jordan's father passed was awful yeah. uh, and heartbreaking. But, you know, Michael's father was not a guy that was a limelight seeker. Uh, and he was, he was, Michael was always pretty private with the family stuff. Uh, Wayne was, I think many have made the case, uh, the greatest ambassador for that hockey has had on North America. He was at tournaments. He was at everything from peewee to the national hockey league and was just the biggest believer in the game and did so much to grow the game and, you know, when you talk to, you know, there are media folks up in Canada who have Wayne Gretzky's autograph and still cherish it and remember how they got it. And so, uh, you know, the 80s were a different time. People didn't have cell phones in their pocket that had a camera in it. The paparazzi was a, a different animal then than it is now. Now I think everyone's a member of it with social media. But, you know, just looking back at how Wayne was as outgoing and such a proud advocate for the game that his son revolutionized, um, you know, it was, it was really heartbreaking to see that he had gone. Uh, you know, I think Wayne's words were just beautiful yeah. uh, at, at the memorial service that they had. So, um, you know, obviously he'll be sorely missed. You look at how many, you know, baseball Hall of Famers were lost last year. Um, and it's really unfortunate because I think that you've got so many folks that were such a huge part of the growth of different games and uh, not even necessarily when you start talking to younger fans that the way that games have changed since, you know, really 1990 and, and when television became a huge deal. Um, and when you started to be able to get the national attention on things, especially in the United States, but every grassroots level in Canada was touched by Wayne Gretzky. So, um, you know, it's a huge loss for Hockey Canada and for the game itself. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, his his influence on the way that the game is played and how and where it looks like with people, you know, skating in their backyards is necessarily exclusive to Canada. Uh, he was as good an ambassador as any sport has really ever had. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, you, 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 you know, we're so invested in sports as fans and everything else. And, you know, you, how many dads could you name? You know, of, of your favorite players and stuff. And it just seems to be that uh, everybody know knew who Walter was, you know, whether you're a yep. hockey fan or, or a general sports fan, because that's the um, impact he had, uh, not only as a dad here, and, and obviously what you said, great points about being an ambassador for the game. So good stuff there, Tab. So speaking about the game and, and ambassadorship or exposure or growth, uh, you know, as far as where the NHL is right now, uh, you had brought up before, too, in previous shows, you know, we were talking about where the league was going at the beginning of the season with the COVID season and obviously not making any money this year. Um, and then the NBC Sports uh, had made the announcement that they were going to, you know, they were going to basically stop broadcasting here on uh, on a bigger level that they are right now. And then the question was, is what is the NHL going to do? But sure enough, man, they're heading back to ESPN. And, you know, old guys like me, 51, uh, you know, I, I love this. I'm excited about it. I think as far as ABC, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, 
uh, where we are right now in modern times as far as uh, sports on the go and apps and streaming and everything else. This is a home run, and I think financially for the league, it's just great. It's a it's a great it's a great reward for them, maybe Tab, as far as you know, basically putting the game on ice for us fans this year at no profit, and now it looks like at least there's some ability here going forward. So I'm going to shut up and just get your take on it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think my biggest question. I laugh a little bit. I'm like. How many times is Stephen A. Smith going to have to rehearse saying Ilya Brizgalov? Um, or God forbid, you know, some of these young kids that are coming in. But How about uh, them uh, Rangers? Yeah. <laughs> Alexis Lafrenmer. Um But uh, But no, in all seriousness, you're right. Like, look, ESPN is, they claim to be the worldwide leader in sports. They've really become the worldwide leader in proliferation of LeBron James and the NFL over the last decade. But... This is big for the for the National Hockey League because ESPN is just in more homes. It's more recognizable than NBC Sportsnet. You know, I think the fact that we're going to get a, a really thorough dose of the Zoot Suit Riot with Barry Melrose's mullet on the regular nice. is good for all involved. It's a great deal, uh, by the way. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we get some Bucci Grass on, on the mic Absolutely. because I love his energy. But no, look, you're right. Like they're they're big. You've already seen in 24 hours the amount of hockey coverage on the network go up exponentially. Um, the broadcast uh, actual production, I think, will go up. Um, and you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do from a talent perspective because they've been out of the game for so long. But ESPN's never lacked for having colorful personalities. Uh, we'll see if there's a resurrection for Jeremy Roenick. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they talent the broadcast and who gets behind the mic for some of the stuff that they're doing, but no, it's, it's great. You know, four of the next seven Stanley cup finals will be on ABC. Uh, the fact that they're going to integrate the NHL TV platform into ESPN plus means you're going to have a lot more games accessible. Um, you know, we'll and see what the digital only one price tab too, man, you know, for yeah. the, for the package, yeah. you know? True, true. But I think, you know, with, you know, the long-term plan probably being that ESPN Plus and Disney Plus are fully integrated and then you'll have more games a la carte be available in every sport, um, you know, I think it'll be great for the exposure of the game um, because, you know, on the digital side of things, having multiple places that you've got to go, I think lots of sports fans are already in, engaged with ESPN Plus, you know, with March Madness starting next week. So many people are relying on that for either viewing or gambling or score updates or whatnot. So just having ESPN more more invested and more involved with the growth of the game is terrific for the National Hockey League. And, and you're right. Like the, the biggest thing, I think, from a fan perspective, the viewing experience could be better. That's great. But the long-term financial viability of the game and getting more money into the – I hate saying get more money in the pockets of the owners, but – at the end of the day, more money is going to go to the players. Yep. And you're not certainly there. You know, the cap will probably stay flat next year, but we all have to realize that owners are still recouping losses from last year and this year uh, with most barns being at minimal capacity of having anybody. Chicago still doesn't have anyone uh, at this point. So more money for the owners means more money for the players means the game keeps growing. Uh, and you know, obviously adding a team in Seattle is another market that's going to be great for, uh, ESPN and viewers across the country to, to watch. So, 
I all around the board, you know, ESPN has some work to do to kind of, I think, earn back uh, NHL viewership. Lots of NHL fans rightfully have issues with the way that the game has been almost completely ignored for the last 15 years, with the exception, I think, probably of the Blackhawks when they were hot because they were unavoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it's great for the game because ESPN's the biggest. Uh, Disney's going to do a great job. The broadcast quality will be there. Uh, and it's more money in the game. And more money in the game means uh, the game will continue to grow. And I think that's what we all want. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, you know. And fans, I've seen some fans, you know, bitch a little bit about, you know, losing some of their local broadcast to certain games and stuff. But, you know, you got to you gotta just let that go because ultimately if this is your favorite game, your favorite league, your favorite sport, your favorite players. Uh, you want financial stability. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, kudos to, to Bettman here. And, man, you couldn't wipe the smile off his face yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, well, well but, but, Paul, I think, you know, one of the most critical things about this when we talk about the growth of the game and the health of the game and the financial stability of the league is the NHL is the only professional league in the United States that has a salary cap that actually makes sense and drives parity in the league. Mm -hmm. The fact that the NHL has a a hard ceiling, but it also has a floor forces teams to spend money. Now, whether or not you're Buffalo and don't know how to spend your money, I mean, they're the Zsa Gabor of the national hockey league right now, (laughs) but uh, a little old reference for the kids there, but, uh, I mean, but, but you can't force Edmonton again, like you can't force teams to spend it wisely, but if you're forcing them to spend teams are going to retain their core players and build around superstars that are homegrown more often than not. And what you're seeing with the floor, however, is that smaller market teams are forced to spend a certain amount of money, which means they've got to make it. A team like the Florida Panthers or the Arizona Coyotes uh, are not sitting on local rights deals and advertising money like the Chicago Blackhawks or the Montreal Canadiens or the Toronto Maple Leafs are. So having more money, especially in the United States, coming from a broadcast deal that's going to be spread out across now, you know, starting next year, 32 teams, just means that it's going to be more realistic for teams in smaller markets to reach that floor in a productive way. You're not going to see a team like Arizona schlepping, you know, a prospect and a couple picks for a dead contract like Marion Hosa or Chris Prong or Pavel Datsuk so that they can circumvent the cap and get to the floor, which is ironic that, you know, you're, the league looks the other way when Chris Pronger's in the Hall of Fame, but he's still hitting the cap in Arizona. But they're going to lose their minds over Luongo or Hosa's contracts. Totally other soapbox there, but you, you have seen that recently and i think this is good because it's going to allow some smaller market teams to have more money coming from external places and it's going to help them to be able to more productively reach the floor and not sit at the floor uh, which is just going to drive more parity in the game and the more markets that see playoff hockey the better because you know i feel awful for fans in buffalo because it's one of the most passionate fan bases in the game and that team just sucks yeah they are just brutal, and they can't get out of their own way right now. But the more smaller market teams that can vi- financially be viable and compete, the better, because it grows the game in different markets. So, you know, God bless them for doing it. Bettman has every reason to smile because he's he. I mean, he he he's running the ship for the owners, and if the owners are making money, obviously with the collective bargaining agreement, it's going to trickle to the players. So, I'm all for it. 
And Tab, just to stick, we might as well. I want to stick on this uh, topic here, this sports biz topic. Maybe for and let's just just take it from me. Like a guy like me, I might sit back and and I I get blown away by the money in in Major League Baseball and the the money in the contracts in the NBA. And you look at the deal that Prescott just got in Dallas as far as the NFL. It's it's how does it or does that compare a little bit with what this ESPN deal might do for the NHL? A little bit, or you know, I I know the cap the cap situation is different, but in maybe some simpler terms, is that a little bit in terms of maybe that's where this is going to help the league? Because uh, when you look at the numbers that these other guys are making, or where the where the money comes for for those other three sports um, leagues, is this maybe a little bit in terms of where the NHL is is going to maybe gain a little ground? Similar, absolutely, and and let's not forget that this is not an exclusive rights deal in the United States. Uh, you know, whether or not NBC wants to stay in the mix is up to them. Certainly, I think Fox will probably get in the bidding. Kudos to Disney and ESPN for getting in first because they were able to set the bar for whoever comes with them. Um, but no, absolutely. I think the fact, and it, it's also going because it's seven years, that $400 million a year that they're getting for rights in the United States is now going to put a little bit of leverage in the NHL's uh, side of the rink, if you will. Uh, when they renegotiate in Canada. And so, yes, more money from larger national deals and being able to get more games on whether it's television or digital. I think we have to start embracing the idea that digital is where more fans are watching games than mm-hmm. good old-fashioned TV. Um, you're going to start seeing contracts go up. And obviously it's going to take a couple years for the those numbers to start escalating. But you know, when Kane and Tave signed their $10 million contracts and when Malkin and Crosby were making 10, people said, you know, they're not, they're insane. You can't survive. You can't have that much of a cap sucked up in two guys. And then when Dreisaitl and McDavid signed, they're like, well, how the hell are they going to compete? Well, the reality is that young players are going to enter the league. Their entry-level contract is going to expire and the bars continue to go up. Uh, every time you have a generational talent hit their next contract. And you've got a really good group of young players that are going to look to get paid in the next couple of years around the National Hockey League. And I don't think that the $15, $17 million range is going to be insane anymore because the cap is going to go up. And it, obviously, like we said, next year probably stay flat because they're making up for this year. But you'll see you'll, you will see a salary cap in the national high, the ceiling uh, reach a hundred million dollars before the end of the Disney contract in seven years. And when you're able to do that, more teams are going to be able to spend big money keeping their superstar players. And the other reality too is the guys that are making 10 million right now, the Crosby's of Vetchkins, Taves, Kane, they're not young anymore which means you're going to have another generation that's going to be looking at replacing those $10 million cap hits, and you're going to have some pretty decent-sized markets looking to spend that money when those guys retire. Uh, And that's going to be open season for those teams, and they're going to be able to afford it much better now that they've got at least one, soon to be probably two, significant media rights deals in the United States. Absolutely. And if you're a 15-, 16-year-old on the rink right now (laughs) thinking about maybe – Getting into the NHL, the timing is pretty good, especially uh, with the, the way the league is uh, headed financially. Great stuff there, Tab, man. Always love your insight on the, on the sports business and the things. So let's go to Chicago, man. Um, like I said, we'll start with uh, Seabrook last week. Obviously, we were talking. I was asking, when's he coming back? And then, obviously, the uh, retirement's uh, announced. 
Um, I believe you put a piece out on him yourself uh, as far as his uh, story. Let's start there and then maybe just touch on uh, Kaner's uh, milestone of 1,000 games, and then we'll just look in terms of uh, how the team has played here since last week and uh, this matchup against the Bolts and obviously the Dallas Stars this week. Yeah, I mean, look, well, you know, starting with Seabrook, um, you know, he came into the league. He was uh, the Blackhawks' first-round pick in the historic 2003 draft that most hockey fans believe was, you know, among the most influential that the league has ever seen. And he came in, and he he was a physical warrior for the Chicago Blackhawks. Who, like, the, I was blown away. Uh, when they ran the graphic during the broadcast that uh, almost 1,100 games that Keith and Seabrook appeared in together is the most ever by a pair on the blue line in National Hockey League history. Um, And so when you look at some of the way the teams are building today and trying to center things around, you know, a couple of young players, people forget that Seabrook and Keith came in together when the Blackhawks were the bottom of the toilet bowl. And they played in front of some 3,000-seat ugly barns in Chicago and played through some crap. And when 19 and 88 arrived, it changed everything. But those guys had worked to establish themselves and went through the growing pains in front of a very limited audience. Home games weren't on TV in Chicago when those guys showed up. I remember that, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it made a lot of news. It, certainly there was a lot of buzz in Canada when Seabrook got on the 2010 Olympic roster over Dion Phaneuf and he was worth it. And he authored some of the great playoff moments in Blackhawks history. Uh, certainly his overtime game winner to end the series with Detroit in 2013 uh, is one of the more iconic goals in Blackhawks history. Um, but he was a warrior and he gave, he literally gave everything that his body had to the Chicago Blackhawks. And so I, I w- I'm in increasingly confident that at some point in the not too distant future there will be a banner with seven in the rafters at the united center uh the only question is will seabrook share it with chris chelios um but he he would have worn a c in most other cities the only reason he had an a in chicago was because 19 is here so uh he was everything that you would hope for in a first round draft pick Uh, He was emblematic of the core that won three Stanley Cups and represented Canada well on an international stage. So his leadership and his presence will be sorely missed, and they'll need to figure out, you know, how they spend $7 million in cap flexibility. Sounds like he'll finish his career in LTIR. Um, So there will be some mechanics that the Hawks will have to work through uh, with that. But, you know, it's going to give the Hawks a little bit of, you know, wiggle room with the cap for the next couple of years uh, while that contract is still in the book. So um, good thing for the present, but it, it hurts to see him go. Uh, he, he was a fan favorite for every good reason. Uh, and he's a stand-up guy. He's a great dude. So um, kudos to him on a great career. Uh, he'll be missed, but you know, then, you know, moving to Kane with a thousand games, you know, I, I wrote in a couple places what's insane and absolutely insane about Patrick Kane when you look back at his draft class, and, and we are 13 years into those guys being in the National Hockey League or which being able to be in the National Hockey League now, which makes you feel old. Yep. Um, but uh, 2007 draft, uh, Jakub Voracek is second in that, from that draft class with 710 points. 
And in Kane's thousandth game, Jamie Benn, who was also from that draft, uh, probably behind Kane, the best value pick in that draft because he was way down the list. Um, but Jamie Benn got his 700th point, and he's third from that draft class. So you've got three guys with 700 points from that draft class. And Jamie Benn's had a good career. Voracek has had a great career. Those guys have nothing to be bashful about. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kane is 1,060 points. He's almost 50% ahead of second and third from his draft class in wow. points. He has been dominant. Uh, you know, I wrote, I, I, I would comfortably put him already with many years hopefully left on his career uh, on Mount Rushmore for U.S. born players. His point per game rate is on par with what Madonna and Ronick were doing in a different era for the National Hockey League. Um, so he has lived up to the hype of a number one pick, and I don't think people talk about that enough. You know, certainly Crosby has, but so many number one overalls you got question marks about, and they don't necessarily give you everything that you were hoping for when they were picked. He has. He's a lock for the Hall of Fame. And, uh, and Chicago's been very blessed to have him, and hopefully he sticks around for a while. And, you know, one of the moments that a lot of Blackhawks fans had an emotional reaction to, the Blackhawks put out congratulatory videos from a lot of different folks. I think the funniest one was from Dominic Hasek, who <laughs> said, you know, when I was in Buffalo, this I rented a car from a guy who told me his kid was going to be a good hockey player, uh, and he was wrong. His son became a great hockey player, and then tongue-in-cheek told Kaner that he let him score his first shootout goal against Hasek because his dad gave him a good deal on the automobile. <laughs> um, but it was emotional because they had a video from Jonathan Taves, and it was the first time yeah. that we've seen 19 since he... He went off the grid to, to deal with his own situation this year. Um, hopefully we're able to see 1988 on the ice together at some point because those two have, with Keith and Seabrook, taken a team that Forbes named the worst in professional sports in the mid-2000s to being the model franchise in the National Hockey League. Those four players are, to me, more than any executive, more than ownership, more than McDonough, more than Wirtz. More than anything else, those four players are, are individually responsible for the Chicago Blackhawks dynasty and what they have become as kind of the, the standard bearer for a decade in the National Hockey League. Uh, and Patrick Kane has been at the heart of all of that. Offensively, he's, he's driven the boat. So uh, we've been blessed to see Patrick Kane for, for the years that he's been here, and we're hoping that we get some more out of him because he has been special. And he has remained must-see TV, even into his early 30s. Yeah, great takes there, Tab, no doubt about it. I mean, just the Chicago uh, Blackhawks, you know, just for me growing up, the old days, like I said, you know, you bring up a great point about, you know, a lot of people don't realize the blackout in Chicago in terms of the TV and everything else with the uh, the old man and the old ownership. And, man, you think back about the, uh, you know, the Keenan days and, uh, Belfort and Savard, and you can go on and on, Chelios and everything else. It's such an incredible, you know, um, history going back to the, you know, Hull and, uh, you know the old man and so on and so forth, but they did. They it's it's hard to believe a storied franchise they were. They were almost like resurrected again with this young crop. There's four guys that you were talking about and and uh, and where they've taken the team and the franchise. And it's exciting now to see them playing well and great stuff on Seabrook. It left a lot of great memories uh, on the ice, no doubt for the team and and Kaner continuing 
uh, to create uh, great memories, too, as well for the current squad. So let's just uh, real quick, uh, before we let you go here, we'll just get a take here on, on how the Hawks are doing since we last talked talk last week. Uh, 27 games played, 4th in the division, 14th in the league, 13-9-5, and 1-3 and in the last four. And we were talking about these games, the three games against the Bolts. They went 1-2, and two, um, and then they lost to Dallas 6-1 on Tuesday, and they got Dallas here Tonight, um, real simple tab. What have you seen? Like I said, we were kind of talking about what are we going to see from these Hawks and this challenge from from these games against you know Tampa and Dallas and obviously Florida coming up too as well. But uh, just a quick overview in terms of um, you know um, what do you see you like or don't like in these uh, first few games against you know the best teams in the division right now. Well, I mean, they gave Tampa all they could handle. They they lost with zero point one on the clock in overtime in the first game, one in the shootout in the second, and then we're up 3 nothing. before I think John Cooper looked at his bench and said, what the hell, let's go, and Tampa put it on him. Uh, and Tampa has not lost a regulation game in their last nine. Uh, so the fact that the Hawks played as well as they did, frankly, until the early second period of the third game was impressive. But then the wheels fell off, and in the last five periods, since going up 3 nothing early in the second on Sunday – Against Tampa, they've been outscored 12-1, and that's no bueno. So you want to see you want to see him improve. Lankinen's going to be back in that tonight. Subban's out. Subban didn't have a great game on Tuesday, but he didn't get a lot of help in front of him. Uh, obviously, goaltenders need to make saves, but you need a little help in front of you every once in a while. Um, you know, I, I I will be fascinated tonight to watch how the team plays because there was a lot of stuff going on around the organization. Seabrook walking away at the end of last week changed the dynamic. And obviously some of the, he was in the stadium for the game the day that he announced that he wasn't going to be able to ever put the skates on again. And they had a moment for him and Tampa was applauding him on the bench as were the Blackhawks, but you could see some very real emotion on the faces of Duncan Keith and Patrick Kane. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of emotions with that against a really good team in Tampa uh, and then you went to Dallas and you had all of the hype around Patrick Kane's thousandth game. And the team obviously, you know, they lined up, you know, like running out of a football tunnel in high school for the guy to take the ice for warmups. Um, I think it was a lot for the kids to wrap their heads around seeing, you know, what historic things were like. And so I want to see a settled down team tonight. I want to see them get into better puck possession uh, they're making a flip. They're putting uh, Nicholas Baudin back on the blue line in place of Lucas Carlson. So they'll add a puck mover there. Um, Ian Mitchell's on the taxi squad right now, which is a bit of a surprise. But Lank, uh, Carlton said earlier today that they just want to give him some time to take a breather, you know, watch some tape, evaluate his game. He's not going to Rockford anytime soon, it looks like. But they just want to give him some time to do some evaluation and, and think about things. But they're still really high on him. And like, where he's going, but he had a couple tough outings against Tampa. And so he's getting a blow and, uh, but you need to have, be able to skate the puck out of your zone against a team like Dallas, because they're going to forecheck the, you know, what out of you. And they did and made life hell for the Blackhawks and got a big win. So uh, for Thursday night's game tonight, I want to see the Hawks settle down a little bit, uh, be a little bit more controlled with the puck and, you know, really, try to avoid the runs where you see them go to the penalty box a couple extra times in a period and see the wheels really fall off. And that's what happens with young teams. When stuff starts going bad, you can either stop the bleeding or the snowball keeps rolling down the hill. 
in the last couple games, the wheels fell off and it was a train wreck real quick. So you want to see a team that settled down a little bit when things get tough. You want to see them respond a little bit better. Uh, and you want to see Carlton maybe making some line adjustments to help put guys in a position to succeed um, because that's something that you desperately need uh, with a young team not putting guys into the deep end of the pool too quickly. Uh, but this is big. I mean, the Blackhawks, this is a game that the Blackhawks need points in. We, we talk every week. When you get on the ice, you need to find a way to make an impact in the standings. And Dallas has got six games in hand on the Blackhawks, and they're 10 points behind them in the standings. So Dallas knows what this opportunity is. And for the Blackhawks, with Columbus being a tire fire behind them, they've got a six-point gap on fifth in the division, but Dallas has games in hand on everybody. Yeah. So th- these are games that the Blackhawks need to make count. And, and so tonight is a really crucial one for Chicago to really step up and, and find a way to make a dent in the standings so that they can you know, keep ahead of any potential pace that Dallas could build on here um, with them hopefully settling in from having COVID in the rearview mirror and the weather warming up in Texas. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it is a huge game. I mean, this is a huge point now for a lot of the teams in the top four or five of every division now halfway through this season. You know, everybody's got to remember, man, it's a, it's a shortened season this time. And, you know, you can – the Hawks here can push this – keep the stars down more than anything, and especially with the games in hand that you brought up. Um, this is big for them. And then, uh, you know, they're going to be playing Coach Q here for the first time since February coming up after this game here too. So – I imagine uh, they want to put this one in the win column here tonight and before they head down and, and play a really tough team in Florida, too, that's been playing very well in the Coach Quenvo. Yeah, I mean, you look at it right now, Tampa and Carolina have clearly established themselves as the best two teams in the division. Florida's basically 500 in their last 10. They got points in seven, but with two OT losses, they're five, three and two. So... The Blackhawks have we, – we've talked about this for a couple weeks now. March will tell us what the Blackhawks are. And I think they've started to see where they could have some needs at the trade deadline. Now, Kirby Doc joined practice uh, He's before they went on the road trip. He's with them on the road trip. I don't anticipate him being back in games uh, anytime necessarily soon. But the fact that he's skating and they're monitoring his situation says that maybe – there will be some regular season run for Kirby Doc, which is really encouraging because the Blackhawks have been brutal in the faceoff circle this year. I just wrote earlier today that if Buffalo is looking to move Stahl or Eakin, the Blackhawks should be all over that like flies on crap because they are bad at the faceoff circle. They lost 61% to Dallas on Tuesday. And in this division, you've got centers who win faceoffs. So the Blackhawks need to get that fixed, and Doc could be a big part of that, but adding another veteran could be a a good idea as well just to take a little pressure off the kid to come back and automatically be the guy. So um, you're right. Going to Florida, those are going to be tough games. Then the Hawks come home, and their first two home games after a lengthy trip are Florida again. So they've got the Panthers and Lightning coming up in bulk here. And and they're good teams. They're running away with things. And the Blackhawks, if they want to keep that four spot, and again, top four in every division get in, the Hawks are going to need to, to figure out a way to keep that cushion that they have right now in Columbus and I would say Dallas and Nashville's still struggling Detroit's Detroit but you know line is on a career-long seven game pointless streak right now so um, it looks it, the situation is ripe for Chicago to get a playoff berth and get these kids some more experience but they've got to handle their business and that starts tonight in Dallas absolutely good stuff don't unbuckle your seatbelts yet they're in Chicago 
It rolls on. It's going to be some good stuff here happening as always. Tab, you're the best, man. Great takes as always. Appreciate it. Have a super weekend, and uh, we'll be back for the post-hangover show for after St. Patrick's here next week. But uh, stay good, stay healthy, and stay safe, brother. Thanks so much. Yeah, get those cards before you go to the bars. <laughs> <laughs> Tab Bamford, ladies and gentlemen, as always, giving us a take on the Hawks and the Central Division. And THS rolls on. And now, it's time to head on out to the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. But either way, it's time to bring our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, back to THS. And we'll talk a little west coast hockey and those New Jersey devils that he loves so passionately. Steve-O, welcome back to THS, brother. Polly, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. You know, you're familiar with March on the East Coast, getting a tease of the spring weather here, and, you know, it's all good, we're man. Life the, is good. We're getting the exact opposite. It's actually cold and rainy here right now. The Earth is a, is a weird planet, isn't it, my brother? <laughs> it is. <laughs> this thing we are all traveling on together. but Floating in space on. Floating in space on, but it's all good stuff. All right, pal. Well, welcome back, man. Um... I tell you what, before we get into hockey, uh, as far as the uh, the division here out there in the West and, and your New Jersey Devils, which are, we'll take it nice and easy on you as far as uh, they've been performing on the ice. And uh, a red-hot Islanders team. Again, last week it was Boston, and I think and I think it was Boston last week, and now it's the Islanders yep. again. But anyway, um, hey, look, I've been asking the other guys in the show today, Costa, Joe, and, and Tab here, and i got to get your take, too. Uh, um, as far as the ESPN deal here with the NHL, man, um, some great memories for, uh, I mean, me personally as an older guy, but uh, uh, just get your take on, on the league, the deal here, and, and Puck getting back on ESPN. I, too, am an older guy, and I could not be more happy. I, I You know, when they when they left ESPN, it kind of hurt the uh, NHL. They got buried on, you know, OLN or Versus or whatever, but to see them back on there and, and just the stuff that ESPN was putting out. I mean, that was the most con- uh, NHL related content ESPN has put out in nearly two decades. Um, it was just cool to hear Gary Thorne's voice. And I am on the Gary Thorne bandwagon. They have got to get Gary Thorne back in the booth Absolutely. calling ESPN games. And uh, I think it's a win for both the NHL and ESPN. Yeah, man. It's, um, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with too. It's funny, like me and you knowing each other for years, and, and obviously when I was doing this years ago too, with um, you know the other stuff, the other you know uh, network that we had going back before podcasting, and you know all this social media platforms and apps and everything else. But you know, with uh, you know modern technology and everything on the go, and and the extension of the deal here to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu and. ABC. I mean, the production here that, that that's going to be involved with promoting this game. And, and you know this as well, too, man, and, t- and talking to the other, other guys, too, as far as promoting the players, the faces, uh, the talent. Um, that's a huge thing that, uh, that uh, the league needs, too, as far as just ex- expanding the promotion of the game beyond the regional markets. And uh, that's just going to be a fun thing to watch, too. So, um, I mean, do you see that as being very important as well in terms of um, the league in the next seven years here, obviously, it's joining a modern downloading, streaming uh, population of sports fans. Well, you see the popularity of uh, like the NFL and the NBA and how much influence ESPN has and, and their growth. And you, you see the, the dollar figures and the popularity of the, of the players. And uh, I think that 
this is something that ESPN could bring to the NHL. I mean, we've got a lot of great people in the NHL, players that are charismatic, that are uh, you know good looking, that are good for promoting products. And I just think having ESPN on board and be able to promote these guys is, is going to be great for continuing to grow the sport. It's going to help the women's sport grow. Um, it's just, I'm just super excited about it. I think, you know, right now, especially after the pandemic and how hard things, you know, the, the league has been hit without having fans and now they have advertising on the helmets. And I just think being able to bring this kind of money into the league is, is nothing but positive and will continue to, to strengthen our sport. You've got Seattle coming in. It's all good stuff, man. Yeah, no, it's exciting, man. I'm I'm uh, super psyched, and like I said, if you're a fan of the league and the game and the players, financial stability uh, is is a huge thing too. And and the league actually has some room there to uh, make some other deals with some other networks as well. So, good yeah. stuff there, buddy. No doubt about it. And I am with you, man. Let's let's start the petition. I, I'm sure there'll be thousands and thousands of people on getting Gary Thorne back there, and uh, maybe uh, Bill Clement come out of retirement too. So, uh, bring back the old voices uh, as well, and Steve Levy and ESPN too. Man, just just great stuff. I can't wait for it to uh, to come back. John All right, Cross, buddy. it's gonna be good yeah. stuff. Yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff. All right, um, well, let's do the Devils here, okay? Here we go. Let's <laughs> yep. do the little my little recap I do with you every week. Twenty two games played, eight, eleven, and three, seventh in the division, and twenty uh, eighth in the league. One and three in the last four. Uh, two losses by six, one, and six, three to my beloved New York Rangers. Uh, then an OT loss to the Caps on Tuesday. And the Icelanders uh, tonight. They do the positive thing is here is they could actually gain uh, points in three games if they if they can either tie or I mean uh, not tie but actually get a, a point out of a uh, overtime tie here or uh, or, or win. It, it might happen. Could be magical. But the Islanders are one of the if not the hottest team in the league. So, Mister Palumbo, a little uh, recap of the Devils last week. Well, I'm, the good news is. Buffalo's in this division, so it makes the Devils look a, a little better. Uh, you know, More and Buffalo. if the Devils could play Boston 50 times a season, maybe they'd have a better record because they, they did beat Boston. They're, I think they're 3-0-1 against Boston this year. And uh, they haven't uh, – and yeah, and then we know what the rest of their record is. But, yeah, the, the team is definitely struggling, and it's become quite evident that they just simply don't have anybody who can put the puck in the net with any regularity and it's only going to be harder against a team like the islanders who defend so well and are just an all-around good team uh trots really has that team firing on all cylinders right now and that you know once they lock you down it's impossible to uh you know, to get anything going with them and it's going to be a real struggle for the devils to uh to get anything going tonight and i mean the Devils have absolutely no special teams ability, either on the penalty kill or the power play. Um, and they're not scoring it, any goals on five on five right now, with, which is their bread and butter. Uh, just a, a young team struggling to kind of find some consistency right now. Kind of what we expected in the beginning of the season. Not that the start was all smoke and mirrors. And I, and I do believe COVID has played a part in this, but just a team right now that's trying to find itself. The goaltending has been inconsistent. Uh, Blackwood right now, he's sitting again tonight. It'll be Wedgwood with his third straight start. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, the lines are completely shuffled. Lindy has taken the everything kind of thrown in a hat and pulled out names, and, and you're just going to see a, a mixture of lines to try to get something going. But uh, the, it was they were embarrassed by the Rangers, a team they usually play pretty well against. And, uh, you know, I just want them to play, you know, continue to grow as the season goes on. I expect a lot of the guys that are on the roster right now, especially the veterans, to be somebody uh, shocked uh, coming shortly here. And 
hopefully we'll finish the season with with some of those future pieces in place so we can kind of get a look at what this team is going to look like in the future. Yeah, no, I mean, at this point right now, I mean, you guys, like I said, 22 games played, almost at the halfway mark here for this season. And, you know, a lot of teams here on the, on the bottom, outside of the top four of any division here in the league right now are in, you know, crucial points where you might start hoisting the uh, the white flag up. And then, you know, these a team like the Devils um, – you know, and, and uh, you know, I guess that term rebuild, retool, all that stuff, new coach, Lindy coming in there and everything else, and uh, a young team as well. Um, they're going to have to, you know, really kind of make some decisions here. Another couple of weeks will be uh, the, the the trade de- deadline will be coming up here too. I should say almost a month actually until that happens. But, um, you know, the organization is going to have to start looking at things. I guess maybe what the, the Devils can do here – you know, they're only a couple points back by the Rangers. The Rangers are at a crucial point here, too, as far as what they're going to do in the next uh, week and a half, too, as far as their schedule coming up against Boston, a couple against Philly, a couple against the Caps. And that'll swing back around where they're going to be playing you guys again. And yep. you guys can actually look forward to making life miserable for the Rangers if they tail off a little bit. So you got that to look forward to, Stevie. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we have that, that big four-game set in, uh, coming up in April, and that will be a— that will be interesting to see where both teams are at at that point. It might mean something to the main Rangers, but um, our relationship you know could the, be in jeopardy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting is the Devils have not even played Pittsburgh yet. Um, they've crazy. only played a couple against Philly. Uh, they, they, they could potentially be, in, you know, in some serious hurt in the next few weeks with the schedule they got coming up. Um, you know. It's encouraging to see the development of certain players. I like what I hear from Jack Hughes. There was a quote that came out today where Lindy said that Jack came up to him and said, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities, but the best players in this league finish those opportunities. And that's encouraging to hear um, because he's continually trying to get better. And, you know, the, you know, Tom Fitzgerald made it known that this team is going to be built around Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer. uh, And so to hear him, talk like that and it just kind of gives you hope that the future will continue to get brighter for this team um and i'm gonna kind of look at the rest of the season objectively and just kind of watch you know how players the young players develop and and get a feel for what this team's going to look like you know next season um because i look i believe it's going to look drastically different than what it looks right now yeah no i think uh, you know that's where you just have to be you know uh you know, and like I said, you know, even as a Ranger fan, too, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking here this next week or two where, you know, you're just going to have to settle in and say, hey, look, this is the team. They're not going to really overexceed. They'd have to have to just find some incredible magic to kind of make any kind of way to, to crawl up back against the top four or five, uh, you know, playing right. for the playoff spot. So you just kind of have to look at this and, and we'll ride out the, the rest of this season, 25 games, whatever it is, and you'll, you look forward to a, a full preseason and a training camp and then a whole new regular season coming up, uh, hopefully starting in the fall. So there's not much more we can really kind of go around with the Devils and, and, and you know, some of the, uh, you know, what they're doing right now. They just, it, obviously, they got to win games and if not you kind of take the best out of uh whatever effort they put into uh the lineup and we'll see lindy grow this team as best as he can so with that said steve let's um let's switch over to uh the west coast here a little bit and a couple of new stories before we get into the division that i want to touch on obviously i've been asking all the guys here today uh just a little take on um uh, wayne gretzky's dad uh walter passing obviously wayne a huge impact in the california hockey scene when he went to la down there and stuff so i'll just throw it back to you and, and maybe just uh get a couple of thoughts on you on on walter's pass last week yeah i mean it was definitely one of those things that shakes you know anybody who's involved in the hockey world or a hockey fan in general 
because of the legacy of Wayne Gretzky and, and, you know, Walter Gretzky instilling that in him and just being, you know, somebody who built that passion within Wayne and hockey today would, there would not be where it is right now without Wayne Gretzky and Walter Gretzky. And, and it's just meant so much. You know, you talk about the impact it had on California. I, when I moved to California was the year that Gretzky got traded to the Kings. And I've just seen the sport explode in this area. Um, and that, that wouldn't have been possible without, you know, Walter Gretzky and his son, Wayne Gretzky. And it's, you know, it's sad. Um, um, but his legacy is he'll never be forgotten and he'll, he'll always have his fingerprint on the sport of hockey. And you can never say enough about that. And Steve, when, when Wayne was in LA, mm-hmm. was his dad, I mean, did he come out to LA a lot during his Wayne's career there in LA? Did you see him that much? Was he at the rink or was it just more or less, more or less around special moments? You know, it was more or less around special moments. He was always a quiet guy. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, he wasn't somebody who was, you know, you know, one of those dads that one needed to be in the spotlight, but he was around for those special moments. And, uh, you know, Gretzky Wayne, um, referred to him a lot when things came up and what he meant to him and, uh, and his life. And so you, you got kind of a sense of who he was just by how his Wayne talked about him. And, uh, you could see in those moments, they would, they would pan to him in the crowd when Gretzky was breaking these records and hitting all these major milestones. And it was just a proud father, um, you know, watching his son, it was nothing, you know, too flashy about it, but just one of those, those fathers that you really want to strive to be like, you know, you want, uh, to have your kids revere you the way Wayne revered him. It's just, um, not somebody who was, uh, you know, out front here in LA. I mean, it was just somebody who, who was kind of quietly watching his son be the greatest player in our sports history. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and obviously a big impact in terms of Wayne as a person and, and what he did, like I said, what you said for um, for California hockey and, and the city of Los Angeles and, and everything else. So it goes hand in hand together. Uh, appreciate your thoughts there, there uh, Steve-O, on, on Walter Gretzky there passing away. So another guy I want to ask you about, um, what can you tell the Calgary Flames, Flames fans to expect with former L.A. Kings coach Daryl Sutter heading behind the bench tonight? For his first game with the Flames <laughs> against the Habs. Um, man, what a personality. You see a lot of the fun stuff yeah. on Twitter as far as his the uh, past press conferences <laughs> and his, his yeah. faces and all that stuff. Just a unique um, personality, but a, a hell of a coach, man. So, um, again, what can the Flames fans expect? And maybe you can give me a, maybe a memory or two of him uh, coaching the Kings. If I'm not mistaken, this is his second go round behind the bench in, in Calgary. So yeah, you know, you're, be... you're, you're right, man. It's, that's my fault. <laughs> See, I'm an old they guy. I forget, be... I forget things. <laughs> no, but he really was a character. I mean, uh, he was the perfect guy to come along and coach that Kings team uh, to get the most out of them. You know, that that 2012 team was the eighth seed, and he was just a fiery guy that that you know put his team in check and, and got them playing hockey, their best hockey when they needed to be. And uh, you know, the only thing I can really say as far as you know memories from him is is that 2012 stanley cup final and and watching him like face really didn't change any expression whether the kings were winning losing um until they actually won and then you kind of saw a little bit of a you know a little smirk or two from him but just an interesting all-around guy i think he's gonna um i mean the, the move in general to me is a little head scratching why they would fire the coach at this this point but i think uh you'll see an uptick in Calgary's performance. It'll be a little harder to play against. And I think they're going to need that um, in this division if they want to stay relevant in it, because uh, 
it's a it's running gun. You get a little you, you become a team that's harder to play against, a little more physical. I think I, I heard something where they all season they've had maybe three fights and they've already gotten into you know four or five fights since the that change has been made. So or since uh so you know they're definitely a team that's going to be a little more aggressive, a little harder to play against, and maybe that's going to help translate into some more wins for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, as far as his coaching style in L.A., I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, the last time he coached in Calgary is, is, is eons ago. But, um, you know, his run in, in L.A. with the success and the Stanley Cups, um, you know, and, and a lot of superstar talent that he had in in L.A. He's got Goudreau. He's got Monaghan up there. And, uh, you know, I know you scratch your head about the moves, but I think Calgary just, they can't let Edmonton take all the headlines up there in Alberta. Yeah. So they had to, they had to mix things up, but his experience as far as, um, managing those big personalities, that big talent, um, you know, this thoughts on, on where Goudreau and Monaghan might end up down the road. Uh, but maybe, maybe a guy like Sutter coming in here, maybe saves those guys, throws away all that talk of maybe the potential of those guys, you know, the Calgary being in the tailspin and where they might have to dump some guys here at the trade deadline or in the front, you know, and, and, and me not knowing where their contracts are right now. But um, maybe just uh, talk on, on what you saw, how he handled those big star, uh, big name stars. I mean, he got him to buy in, you know, he got him to buy into the system and, you know, you had you know, your Dowdies and your Browns and Kopitars and, uh, Jeff Carter, and then you had Jonathan Quick and Ned, and, and those guys just, you know, they, they were playing for each other. And, you know, I think, you know, Calgary made the big move in the offseason. They brought Markstrom in to try to solidify the goaltending, and and maybe this helps to get him going back to where he, he was last season with Vancouver. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, of talk around Monaghan and Goudreau, and should they stay, should they go. Um, I hope that this maybe quiets that noise a little bit and lets those guys focus on being ho- best hockey players they can be in Calgary. And I don't think there's anybody in Calgary that thinks it's a good idea to just, you know, trade those guys away just for the heck of it. They're heck of a hockey player. They're hockey players. They're, they're the, the meat and potatoes of that offense on, the, on that team. And if they can get turned around and find more consistency and, and start putting the puck in the net, I don't think there's anybody who wants to see those guys dealt away. And, and, you know, maybe Sutter's the right guy to, to, to get these guys' heads in the in the right place and get them playing for each other and and you know turn around their fortunes. He certainly did it in L.A. That team was uh, terrible when they made the change to bring him in, and then they just kind of he brought all the pieces together. They just uh, their luck turned around. They started playing for each other. Um, the goaltending was great, and uh, you know you get that in Calgary. Who knows? Maybe they go on a run. A lot of people expected a lot more from Calgary, Calgary going into the season. So you know there is the potential there for this to be a playoff team and maybe make, you know, win a round or two if they get in there. Yeah. I think they just need somebody with a lot of good experience in and just to fine tune some of the surrounding talent around Johnny hockey there and, and Monaghan, no doubt. And, and, you know, talking about the Kings too, man, there were, there was some, there was some wild, I mean, didn't they, the Kings have that really bad losing streak, right? And they kind of turned things around and then they, yeah. I, was that the year they won the cup when they, everybody wrote them off, right? Yes. Absolutely. They were, they, yeah, they were in that tailspin and then they ended up rattling off something, you know, something ridiculous at the end of the season to get in. Uh, I think they needed the wind in the last game to get uh, in as the eighth seed. And then they ended up carrying it into the playoffs and they were unstoppable once they got into the playoffs. Yeah. So there you go, Calvary. Maybe magic is going to come back under spunky (laughs) Mr. Daryl Sutter. (laughs) Be interesting. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the game last night. 
uh, between Minnesota and Vegas, uh, Steve. But, you know, we talked about uh, these two teams a little bit last week. And, and Minnesota, man, is really kind of turning things around. I mean, you, you look at the top four there now. Uh, Knights at 33 points, St. Louis 32, Minnesota 31, and Colorado with 30. And then, you know, the, the Kings um, and the Yotes there are hanging in there. And, you know, we, we talked about how bad uh, the Ducks are playing, and we don't know what's going to happen there. There's an eight-point gap there to get into the fourth place. But, you know... Minnesota's kind of showing that there's there's some chinks in the armor there with as far as Vegas and St. Louis and, and Colorado with the struggles. But maybe just a, uh, your take, obviously, every week. I'd like to get it from you on where this division's kind of lining up now since we talked last week and, and getting to this halfway point of the season. Well, that's, a good, that's a good point. I mean, it's halfway through the season, so you kind of want to think that the division is the way it's going to finish. I mean, nobody. I did not expect it to be this tight, but I do feel like the top four teams are – going to be the four teams that are currently holding those spots right now where they all finish is still up to be determined you know the coyotes kind of just hanging around the kings have been a good story but do they have the horses to to keep going uh kempe is had an is having an outstanding season and they just there are a lot of good things happening in la but i don't think that they're quite ready to make that jump i think the real story in this division is minnesota and just how how good they've been and how they're winning games and how solid they are all around. And, and, you know, Minnesota's just kind of been one of those teams that have just kind of been an afterthought when it came to teams in the NHL. You know, they were just, they were a team that made the playoffs, but nobody really expected much from them. There was no really flash and dash. They, I think the last time we really had uh, anything to talk to them, talk about them was when Sutter and, uh, or Suter and Parise signed those matching 13 year deals. But now this is an exciting team. Uh, they're fun to watch. They can play with any of the big boys. Uh, as you saw last night with uh, with Vegas, and uh, you know, I there's a good possibility they could be one of those teams pushing for the top two spots in that division. I, it would not surprise me at all at this point. Yeah, and you know, you know, you bring up some great points about Minnesota and storylines, and you know, uh, there, there's been a coaching carousel, obviously, in Minnesota. Um, yeah. You know, Boudreaux and um, I can't find terrible. They used to call him the Church. Oh yeah, Yao, right? He was the uh, they used yes, to call him the Church Mike of Yao. Yao yeah. <laughs> when he was the coach there too. But Dean Evanson, you know, um, it seems to be a nice mix. I mean, obviously, yeah. one of the things about Minnesota over the years too is staying healthy. Um, yeah, and a lot you know, of issues. Yeah, yeah, but you know, things seem to be lining up, and and Evanson seems to be um, maybe just the right guy at the right time for this squad. I mean, he he. Uh, scratched Zach Parise, which, you know, is unheard of. Yeah. Um, but he didn't like the play that Parise made. It came across as a little bit selfish, even though Parise was trying to not be selfish. But he scratched him, and he's, you know, he kind of st- putting his stamp on the team. like, hey, I'm, I'm in charge. And you got to give a lot of credit to Billy Guerin. He's really put together, you know, he's building a, a nice thing there in, in Minnesota. And uh, I think there's just, you know, the great state of Minnesota deserves a good hockey team, and it's nice to, to be able – to actually see um, it translating on the ice. And uh, Everson pro- is the right guy for this team right now. And, you know, the co- coaching is is very uh, what have you done for me lately, but right now he's, he's pushing all the right buttons. Yeah, and, and they're a fun team. I think people are starting to say, you know, that's the buzz. You got to watch the yeah. wild. And, yeah. you know, man, I don't know where Minnesota is as far as getting fans back in the building uh, yet, but I mean, I'm sure they're just chomping at the bit um, oh, you got it, to get inside the building, but it's great. I mean, they got the national exposure last night, uh, 
uh, on TV and stuff. And, and again, they've just got some, like I said, you bring up Sutter, you give me Parisi, and those guys have been there for a long time. And, you know, you wait for those big contracts. Those are big names that came in there. And, and, and Minnesota's just been waiting and waiting and waiting to, to get a team into the, not only conference finals, but the Stanley Cup finals. And there's a chance here, and especially with uh, uh, Kaprizov here uh, playing so well for him, exciting. And, um, and and Zuccarella actually maybe, you know, if he stays healthy, man. And that's been his MO on all the teams, whether it's Dallas and the Rangers too, man. Right. He's, he's really an integral part of any offense. And unfortunately, Absolutely. he's just been so injury prone. But there's a good chance. And they've played tough against Vegas. And they played tough against St. Louis. And, and Colorado's struggling. There's, there's a chance here that if this team gets healthy and is healthy by playoff time, and I don't know why, if they need to make any trade, um, at the, at the end of the season here. But, man, it, it could be a fun time in Minnesota come playoff time. I agree. I mean, you think about uh, St. Louis a couple of years ago and, and the kind of the run they went on, and, and who says Minnesota couldn't go on a run similar to that and uh, surprise a lot of people. I mean, especially with the way that the playoffs are, line, are lining up divisionally. And, um, they're playing everybody in their division tough. So, you know, at the time when these when – these, when the regular season ends and we move into the, the playoffs, these teams will know each other better than probably any season before. And, and it, there's a very good possibility that Minnesota could, could knock off a team like Colorado or St. Louis or even Vegas. They play Vegas so tough. Um, they get, it's like a matchup nightmare for Vegas. So, you know, it's just, it's really exciting to be able to watch it. I, I've watched a lot of Minnesota games. I didn't see the game last night beyond the first period because I had a game of my own to go to. Oh, but, um, I want to hear about that game. <laughs> you should see my finger. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I just really enjoy watching him. And Kaprizov is just, I mean, he plays with so much joy. Uh, similar to like a Mark Stone. Guy looks like he's just having so much fun out there. He's really fun to watch with the puck. He's a magician out there, and, and he's just making everybody around him better. And I think that, that – you know, is the guy's definitely rookie of the year material right there. And that's one of the real factors as to why this team is so much fun to watch and why they're winning and starting to believe in each other. Yeah, no, it's good stuff, man. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great storylines going on. There's a lot of teams that are really, uh, you know, rolling through. And it's it's just nice to have as the more teams, the merrier that are uh, grabbing people's attention in the league uh, throughout all the divisions is, is good stuff. And, and I've been to Minnesota, I've, uh, you know, hung out there and it's a great hockey city and, Man, they're jonesing for a, a championship team, uh, as, as as a lot of teams are in this league. So yeah, let me ask sure. you, Steve, before we find out about the Steve Palumbo hockey team, uh, <laughs> is there any other stories, any other team uh, that's that's uh, making you go, hey, look look what's going on here? I don't know if it's obvious that the Islanders in terms of how they're playing, but, you know, up against the schedule and who they've been playing, where they're at. But uh, anything else that you want to point out uh, league-wide that you want to say before uh, we, we, uh, we bid you adieu here in a minute or two? No, I think we've kind of covered it. I mean, I'm I'm really curious to see um, how that North Division is going to shake out. It looked like Toronto was going to run away with it, and now uh, they've lost three in a row, and and Edmonton's on their heels. There's another big game with Toronto and Winnipeg tonight, and Winnipeg's you know making traction against Toronto. That's an interesting story there. I think if you look at the top of every division, um, there's a lot of. I mean, there's there's only a few points separating the teams, and I think there's. There'll be a lot of shuffling. It just made for some really exciting hockey. So I, I'm just I, I love, I, I don't want to use the word parody, but I love how much you know competitiveness and and how close the divisions are this year. It's it's been really fun. Yeah, to, and it's to gonna watch. Absolutely, man. And it's going to heat up now in the next two weeks here. 
with uh, teams yep. pulling away. So it's going to be some good stuff. All right, Steve. So look, you brought it up, man. So what's going on with your league? Uh, what's your uh, point stats here so far? Uh, wins and losses. Uh, any chance of you guys uh, winning the championship this year? Well, we won the championship last season, uh, and so we're carrying it over. We're currently in first place. Uh, it, I I am the captain of the team, um, which is, is always fun to be a captain of a winning team. Uh, we're currently uh, a couple points up in, in first place. We've played nine games. We've got five left, 14 game season. Uh, we won last night, eight to three. I had two goals, two assists. Wow. And I broke my pinky. So oh, dude. Uh, on the, on the very first shift, I blocked a shot, hit hit my stick in a funny way, and went bounced up and like went under the pad of my glove, and my my pinky blew up. And uh, still played on it, put a put a couple tucks in there, got a couple apples, and uh, we won the game. So uh, we're one of the only rinks in our area that's that's open. We've been open to this whole thing. All the other uh, you know the practice facilities for the ducks and all of those have been shut down. Um, they've only just started to like let people in, but we've been able to play and no issues, no COVID issues. Everyone's following the protocols and, uh, it's been a lot of fun to have an outlet, um, to be able to get out there and play and uh, stay active. That's super. What's the name of the team, bro? We are the Jets and oh. our jerseys this season are the Jets, uh, re- reverse retros. Oh. Um, but we're using the vintage Jets logo, um, from the WHA days. So nice. It's, it's a good looking jersey. Bravo. Yep. And you didn't get those on eBay, right? No, no. We had them custom made. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they came from China, so <laughs> it took a while to get here. Oh, that's good. I want to see a shot of that jersey, too, man. Well, congratulations, man, on, on the success there. And, and, and man, you're a warrior uh, like most uh, player ice hockey players are, and that's uh, injury. Forget about it. I'm staying in coach. Yeah, you know, unless I'm on a stretcher. Too much you know money I mean? to not play, you know. <laughs> I lost a tooth knot last season and oh, uh, played dude. for that. And so uh, <laughs> you just got to keep going. You are committed. My uh, uh, credit there to Miss, Mrs. Palumbo, man. That's, that's <laughs> awesome, man. Oh, man, good stuff as always. And uh, we appreciate you doing this with me uh, every week here, Steve. Uh, just great I stuff. Think I love it. And I wish you uh, success there. Is the ice pretty good there for you guys? I mean, I know you guys are the only rink, but, I mean, I know it's hot out there. How's the skating? No, the ice is good. I mean, obviously, when the weather is warm, it gets a little uh, choppier, but they do a pretty good job. The building is, like, so cold. It is ridiculously cold. So um, the ice is usually pretty good. I mean, they play, I mean, from 6 a.m. until the last game ends after midnight. I mean, there's people skating on it all day, and it's it's – I can't complain about it. I mean, uh, there's better ice in Southern California. The, the facility where the, the Kings play is one of the best ice around here. But uh, this is it's fun. No one's gotten hurt, and it's it stays nice and uh, nice and cold. That's awesome. So, I'm jealous, cold. man. When, this, <laughs> when everything gets back to normal, man, I got to hop on a flight and come out there and bring the sticks and the old rusty skates, and you know, we'll let you check me into the yeah. boards because uh, I won't be able to do anything that. else. <laughs> Good stuff, buddy. All right, as always, man, have a great rest of your week. Super weekend. Stay healthy and uh, best of the family and all that stuff. And, uh, again, thank you, as always, for uh, giving me a hit here on THS. And until next week, brother, um, cross our fingers for the Devils, and we'll keep watching those wild. All right, man? All right, go Rangers. I'll talk to you later. Ah, what a nice guy. (laughs) Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, on the left coast. Always giving us a great hit here on THS. And uh, with that said... That's a wrap here for That Hockey Show Week 8. I want to thank Joe Yarden, 
Costa Papalias, Tab Bamford, and of course, Mr. Steve Palumbo. And as always, I want to thank you guys out there for listening, downloading, sharing, and all that other great stuff. So uh, keep your head up, and I will be back here next week. Be safe out there. Enjoy your St. Patrick's next Wednesday, and uh, hopefully we'll have some hangover stories from all the guys here next week. So follow at that hockey show. Follow all the guys on the team here. We appreciate it. Stay safe. Enjoy the hockey, folks. Take care of yourselves. That hockey show is out.